we've done eight creepy Christmas Hanukkahs or nine. First off, let me point out that you can pronounce Christmas with no problem, but you refuse to pronounce Hanukkah properly. How did I say it? That it's fake? That's not real? (laughs) Jewish Christmas, you said. But look, no matter how you pronounce that most holiest of holidays, as you all know, every December we have our creepy Christmas haunted Hanukkah, Greg, where we tell ghost stories. uh, Spooky stories or stories that involve, let's say, murder. Not not really. We've gone there. We've gone there. We've gone there. We'll talk off the air about about murder, about the murders we've committed during Christmas and Hanukkah. How they can never catch us. (laughs) Because we never talk about it. <laughs> but this year we're doing something a little bit different because normally in November we have our we have people send in answers mm-hmm. to a question. We're going to do that this December because we want you, dear listener, to send us your Los Angeles ghost stories that we will read on the air. Yeah, the spookier the better. Mm-hmm. Not so spooky. I still want to hear it. Any ghost story that happened to you or that you heard in Los Angeles, be as specific as possible with locations because I want to go there too. Yeah. Send it to us. You can email it la.meekly at gmail.com or you can send it to us on our Instagram la underscore meekly or Twitter at la meekly. Send it to us any way you can and we will read those on the air. That will be the whole episode this creepy Christmas haunted Hanukkah December. I'm already thinking of one my cousin has that always gives me goosebumps when he tells me. If he keeps refusing to send us his vaccination card? What are you going to say? Oh, that's a, yeah, that's another thing. You have to be <laughs> vaccinated to send in your ghost stories. <laughs> Otherwise, they will be sent to a hazardous waste email uh, trash bin. So send us your ghost stories, everybody. Ghost stories. You're haunted. <laughs> <laughs> I just finished choking on a piece of chocolate as you counted down. Part of me was thinking like, if he's really choking, you would still ham it up. Like you wouldn't be like freaking out. You'd be like, this is a good bit. Watch. You know, I'm really choking when you're really laughing. (laughs) The bigger the laugh, the closer I am to death. He's doing all the comical uh, sight gags when you're choking. He's got his arms around his neck crossed. His eyes are crossed too. I'm motioning to my back Mm -hmm. for someone to hit me. Yeah. I'm pointing at a sign that says, chew your food 50 times before you swallow and I'm wagging my finger like no 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 and then pointing at me saying this guy didn't do that yeah and we're like mouth mouth task (laughs) I don't know mouth mouth words two words yeah (laughs) you open your wallet and you have a Heimlich maneuver manual folded up into fours and you're unraveling it I'm, I'm handing it to everybody and you're all going is he going to Germany or something? We're like, oh, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Not realizing that you're joking. Oh, thank you. I've always wanted one. Thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you. Oh, no, thanks. My wallet's full. (laughs) But look, I'm not choking anymore. Shame. Which means that welcome to LA Meekly. (laughs) Oh, before every episode, he almost chokes. There won't be an episode this month if he chokes. Yeah. (laughs) It's a game we play. We do mind meld and then he eats a espresso bean and we see if he can choke and die. And if he can't, then we have to record the episode. Typically, I choke before the show, but never on the air. (laughs) Everything I say is a home run. (laughs) Never does he choke. But uh, it's Ellie Meekly, the podcast that I'll have you saying. Did Daniel choke on a bean today? (laughs) It wasn't a bean. It's a... (laughs) So mad. It wasn't a bean. We ate beans this week for another reason. I don't just eat beans, okay? (laughs) It's a blueberry and acai juice filled piece of chocolate, okay? From Brookside, Greg, okay? (laughs) There's so many words in what kind of bean that was. I think you described six things. Me thinks thou dost bean protest too much. (laughs) I was listening. 
listening to this a great podcast called Candy is Dandy, and it's really funny. <laughs> I was listening to an episode where they did about jelly beans, and I thought, does anybody try to do like refried jelly beans, like jelly refried beans? I feel like in one of the episodes we made that joke. We made that joke, but maybe maybe nine years ago, every candy episode we did except the Jelly Belly one. Yeah, I think we made a refried jelly bean joke. Probably. I'm going to say probably. <laughs> I'm going to say most likely. <laughs> My catalog of things to joke about, it's, it's very short. <laughs> and I don't jelly add anything. I just go, I circle around. Where's the beef? Mm-hmm. Where's the beef? Turning something into bullets. Fire purifying. Mm, yeah. Stuff that but burns. that is a pretty good podcast, whatever it is. Whatever never, it I've is. I've never heard it, but yeah. Candy is Dandy is a pretty good podcast. I heard that listening to it, it's Viagra. It makes people aroused for four hours at a time. I have one thing to point out before we get into the pre-meat of uh-huh. the show. <laughs> pre Bread of the meat sandwich. <laughs> the, of the bread show. is just pre-meat. Go this ahead. is the toothpick in the bread. Bread is just, as we've always said. Bread is just pre-meat. <laughs> so I, I had said in the last one that I missed my chance to do the, the Elvis. Uh, oh right. Be, uh, oh Lord, oh my. Oh no, is it one hundred and five? It's one hundred and nine. Oh, so I God. still have a few more episodes to get myself ready to fully make that joke. Okay, so get ready in what four, three months, four, yeah, three or in four like months. February. No, what month are we in? Mark the. Calendar. Yeah, this is September first right now. What episode is this? One oh five. Five. Yeah. It's so four. So you're gonna start the New Year's or January first. Yeah. The first thing you're gonna hear in 2023 is Lord <laughs> So set your. It's gonna be like the I got you, babe. When yeah. your alarm clock goes off, you'll hear Lord Almighty. It must be a hundred and nine. And that's Elvis. been a joke five months in the making. <laughs> I'll be taking it to the cellar. <laughs> it's going to do its rounds. You're going to do the improv. If I can make it work in Illinois, yeah. it can work anywhere, Greg. So get ready for that come January. God, I'm already dreading it. <laughs> it's going to be like December 31st and everyone's kissing. Uh, mistletoe everywhere. <laughs> the New Year mistletoe. Yeah, we, we've defeated all the evil in America. And I'm like, oh, tomorrow. Is gonna Greg, why aren't you kissing? Uh, <laughs> why aren't you kissing all these sailors? Well, single file line of sailors. <laughs> Because at the stroke of midnight, I'm about to hit 109. <laughs> okay, so that, that was the toothpick into the pre-meat, right. aka the bread. Right. Now we have a, a pimento in the toothpick before the pre-meat bread. Because uh, we want to thank uh, one of our Patreon people, Aranza Gallegos, for she actually upped her donation oh, on our Patreon. Thank you so much. I know I'm pronouncing her name right because she told me I was. <laughs> but also, I put a reminder in my Siri to remind me to put it in my notes for this episode. And Siri perfectly spelled Whoa. out. So I knew like... I. I knew. C-3PO could do it. I could do it. <laughs> Why Anthony Daniels hasn't jumped all over that and become a voice for like Siri or Alexa? I don't know why. It's kind of, it isn't, not Jennifer McCarthy. Jennifer Senator McCarthy. Senator McCarthy, uh, Melissa McCarthy right. is the voice of Alexa or like one of the voices really? of Alexa, I think. So Anthony Daniels. Get on it, man. <laughs> if you want that Melissa McCarthy money, and I know you do. <laughs> but yeah, thanks to Aronsa yeah, for, you. Uh, yeah, hey, you could all do that. Or you could join us, period, mm-hmm. on our Patreon, Patreon patreon.com slash Meekly for as little as $5 a month. We'll send you handwritten postcards every single month and it helps keep the show going and it's, we like it. We like it. We love it. Sometimes we send legible postcards. It's very rare. <laughs> I make sure to slick mine in chicken fat before <laughs> I send them out so that everything just gets really smeared in the delivery process. I met Pen Pal and designer of our logo, uh, Eric Martinez, last night for the first time. Mm-hmm. We had a, a, a short discussion about how allegedly you're right and how far that goes back and it was a lot of fun huh huh that's weird uh, so you're saying i'm the only one who writes allegedly huh i have a 
like a, a thing in my brain where I like make sure there's a separation letters and that they look recognizable. And I right. don't know if you follow that pattern. When the muse strikes me, <laughs> it's like when a child is possessed and they're like automatic writing and they're just like throwing papers, like <laughs> <laughs> just a stack of papers. <laughs> they're just throwing them on the floor as they go. Your handwriting is like a Rorschach test. It's like less a written language and more like, well, what do you see when you look at it? And it something he's written. Does this make you laugh? <laughs> well, look, we're out of the pre-pre-meat. Uh-huh. We're, we're in the pre-meat, Greg. Oh, did we get the sauce? We're uh, Sauce is part of the meat. Sauce oh, is meat. Sauce is meat, Greg. Well, no, okay, I'll tell you when we're at the sauce. But okay. we're in the pre-meat right now, aka the bread of the sandwich. We're about to be in September. What'd you do in August oh, of 2022? My August was so nice. I didn't do anything. Um, I did early in August. Uh, one of my co-workers works at Dynasty Typewriter as well. So he told me that I should check out something called Vintage Basement, which was a great show with Max and Nick. They're Brent Weinbox brothers, but they have like a kind of like a variety show along with stand up and stuff. And it That's was our thing. <laughs> <laughs> We've been wanting to bring back variety shows and like everybody else. It was a fantastic show. And I love Dynasty Typewriter. Uh, it's such a great space. And I'd, I'd never really been there for a show before. So it was I fantastic. Still have no, I don't even know where it is. I, I know. I feel like it's somewhere in Hollywood. No, it's a stone's throw. From a, a, it's a stone's throw from MacArthur Park. Like the, the park oh, weird. is like a, maybe a couple blocks away. That's a that's a Joni Mitchell song, isn't it? It's a Donna Summer song. One of them paves paradise and puts up a parking lot. The other one leaves a cake out in the rain. That's how you could tell the two apart. But Dynasty Stepper is a great space, a great old LA space too. It's, it's an old thing. Yeah, it's well, an old it's a thing. typewriter. If it was it's new, it'd typewriter. be Dynasty <laughs> Siri dictation <laughs> yes, and Dynasty. Also, that's an old word. It is an old word. You're right. You're really good at this. But the show was fantastic and the space was great too. If you have a chance to do either of those things, so go to Dynasty Typer for a show or to see a Vintage Basement. You lost me at Cake in the Rain. I got hungry and I... You're you know. already describing like how our episode is a sandwich. I'm like, does he know that he's doing the thing he always does? Or is he <laughs> well, so unaware? Look, that if he's... you want to talk about the thing I always do for my thing of the month, I'm just embracing that most things I do are going to be food, yeah. but with a twist. Okay. Because this month... <laughs> I didn't eat it. <laughs> I put the food in the rain. I didn't eat that. That's gross. That my thing this month is the deli exhibit at the Skirball Museum. Oh my god! Which is it's food I can't eat, and I throw a fit, and I'm no longer allowed at the Skirball. This lucite example, so I know what pastrami looks like. <laughs> You're telling me I can't put mustard on this? That's the sauce of the sandwich. <laughs> this isn't a buffet. Where's the pre bread? <laughs> the pre meat, I mean. It's, it's a pretty small. It's you remember when we many years back went to the Bob Dylan, the Bob Dylan thing. Yeah. It's not in that bigger space. Okay. It's it's closer to the front of the museum. It's a smaller space, but it tells like history of delis okay. in America, the cultural, like the Jewish cultural history of it. And it has like how all these different Jewish foods are made. And they had a lot of paraphernalia and like old things from like Cantors and other oh, old, wow. like there was a, they had the full uniform of like, I guess some beloved Cantors waitress uh-huh. who I guess is dead, or maybe she just got a new uniform. I don't yeah. know. But there was actually a typewriter there. I think No, maybe it was a cash register. What, 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 what are both of those things used for back then. <laughs> they had like old matchbooks from like delis I didn't even know existed around at Los Angeles and some that still exist of which there's very, very precious few, few but the Langer stuff oh, cool. like it, it was a really cool like anything that combines history and food as I've proven I'm going to love. Yeah. It's going till September 18th so 
they can still go. You have a couple weeks to uh, put on a bib and go to the deli exhibit. And the gift shop, the stuff they have, they also had like you can take pictures in front, like putting your head through like a pickle. Not a real pickle. Right, right, right. But, uh, you know. What a shame that was for you that it wasn't real. But I brought my own pickle to put my head through. (laughs) I just need a camera. But the gift shop has really great stuff. We got a, they had like, not tarot. What is the like Mexican tarot, the cards? Oh, the the bingo, the uh, loteria? The loteria stuff. They had that, but it was like, the one we got was like the Dr. Brown and it had like the pastrami sandwich and stuff. Oh, wow. We got a magnet of it and it was really cool. But one of our listeners, Eric Sheslow, Uh he did a map of all the different delis around America that is like a print and also is a placemat. And then he has like the thing I was crazy about, which was a drawing of Brent's Deli in Northridge that was so cool. And he has a few different, like I think he did Cantor's as well, like the original, the Boyle Heights Cantor's. And it's all the stuff they have in that gift shop is great. But in particular, it was very exciting to see someone who listens to us and who we know his stuff in there. When you saw the Brent's print, you sent me, look what Eric did. It's like, oh, wow, okay. (laughs) He's a fantastic artist and they they came out really good. It's like he made it for me. What I'm asking for is it? Can I have it? Well, why we're doing this show is can you please give me one for <laughs> free or lower? But yeah, it's a great exhibit. Really good stuff in the gift shop to take home. And you got a couple more weeks, September 18th. Get, get, on to, get yourself to the Skirball. And another good thing, they're very strict about, like they check your vaccination card. Oh, at do the they really? Ball, so I was, it was nice. Do they check it with your ID too? Make sure you now have someone else's vax card. Oh, oh my no. God. <laughs> You're going to pat What is the this? Back. Nazi America? <laughs> what if you walk in there into the Skirball Museum? And are like, well, you bunch of Nazis checking my vaccination card. (laughs) So that was the pre-meat of the sandwich. It's time to get to the sauce of the sandwich, which is explaining what this episode is going to be. It's September. And my first thought was summer sounds. And then I realized, well, we're in fall now, I guess. (laughs) So it's not quite summer sounds. But we're going to be talking, as we always warn, we talk too much about music on our music boxes. We're going to be talking about radio. Mm -hmm. How video killed it. And it's a crime scene. (laughs) This is a murder podcast now american crime story video killed the radio star <laughs> on a lonely night um, a radio star's son came home one day to find radio dun, 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 dun. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. first i'm going to be talking about like early radio the first radio stuff in la and then we're going to go we're going to be talking about three of sort of the big influential radio stations yeah. one of which is still around yours is still around mine's right? still around yeah. yeah mine aren't well sort of sort of kind sort of, of. Yeah. yeah how they changed the world. <laughs> and that's been American Crime Story. Video killed the radio star. And I'm Aaron Mankey. Aside, I was listening to Laura the other day and he had someone in the story is describing what they saw and it was Bigfoot. And Aaron Mankey makes an aside like, I remember something from high school like that. Shut up. Did he do the thing where it's like, and it was in the forest. It had a large thing on its legs that it walked on. It was covered in hair. It might not exist. Yeah. Medically, they would call it a foot. <laughs> And the foot was big. You might know it as the Yeti in Eastern civilizations, (laughs) but here we know it. We know what you're talking about. (laughs) The title of the episode is Bigfoot. I wish they were titled after what they were. But instead they call it like hungry eyes. Like what is what the hell is it? And it ends up being vampires. Like how is vampires hungry eyes? (laughs) Enough about another show. Oh yeah, we don't have to add that in the episode. I just wanted to tell you because yes, we do. (laughs) I'm going to tell you about some of the early days of radio in L.A. Radio is a sound salvation. Radio Mm -hmm. is cleaning up the nation. Mm -hmm. Radio, there's like four good stations left. (laughs) But when I was doing this research, I thought I saw because for a while yours and I mine 
Have you used an eyes? Using me okay today. Using Mises. Yeah, using Mises. Mises and Moose's <laughs> favorite station was K Surf, which yep. turned into like a classical station. Right. But I thought I saw on the internet like they're back. They're playing oldies, and then I went to it, and it's still classical. Oh so I must God. have just been reading an old website. Sadly, yeah, unfortunately. But way back when, there were at least five good stations <laughs> in Los Angeles. The first fully licensed radio station in the United States was right here in sunny. Pittsburgh. Uh, what? That's not, no, make it not. Redact this. <laughs> uh, it was 1920 KDKA, way back when radio was called Radio Telephone. No, oh my God. <laughs> you had to call in if you wanted to hear your favorite song, and sometimes they would be playing it, sometimes they wouldn't, yeah. because there was like nine songs. By some weird uh, quirk of physics and nature, you would still hear the like dial up internet thing. <laughs> 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 I always get dial-up sounds and the sound of old car alarms. I always get them mixed up in my head. Like, I always think one will lead into like, wah, wah, wah. What if like how how birds mimic the sound of car alarms yeah. if the Twitter birds started learning how to do the twa- <laughs> dial-up sounds? Oop, oop. <laughs> You've got mail. <laughs> That's what my car alarm says. You've got mail. You've got mail. You've got, oh, and it's Anthony Daniels. <laughs> so the K in the call letter is a little confusing. KDKA. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. once things started going, K was the designation for radio stations west of the Mississippi River, even though KDKA was right. Pittsburgh. But typically it was west of the Mississippi. Uh, the mighty Mississippi was K and W for ones to the east. Oh, okay. Which doesn't make sense. W means west. We all know W means west. That's why they made the W. It used to just be a regular U and they added another one and now it's a w. It used to be two u's and then they said let's w this yeah. with n being strictly for military or government use Gover- okay government Gover- government Go- like carbonicate government but over here in rainy los angeles there were plenty of ham radio enthusiasts broadcasting around town long before 1920 as far back as 1908 lee deforest who was the man who later went on to invent synchronized sound for movies was Whoa. broadcasting music from a ham radio somewhere in los angeles really? i couldn't pinpoint where which i'm sure the government the authorities could <laughs> Me and the cops of that era have one thing in common. The Radio Vice Squad. <laughs> there was a ham boy somewhere in Long Beach in 1912, as well as Joe McCarthy, not that one, oh. broadcasting music out of Watts, which is perfect. Yeah. Watts. Kilowatts. That's why they named it that. That's what the Watts Towers used to be radio towers. And then he just put like Sprite bottles all over it. (laughs) And it's art all of a sudden. You got to hide it. Don't let people know there's a radio tower right here. There was also Fred Christian, who would later start KNX 1070 News Radio. There's going to be a lot of jingles that we compulsively sing today. There is one where every time I read it, I had to say the entire thing. And it was pretty embarrassing. (laughs) It made my notes four pages longer, but it has to be there. And then there was Major Lord. Lawrence Mott broadcasting. I don't know if that major was his first name or if like it was like a Colonel Griffith, J. Griffith. Yeah. Or like an actual major. You never really know, do you? (laughs) Not in today's economy. (laughs) So Major Lawrence Mott was broadcasting out of Catalina Island, who would start KFWO. The first officially licensed radio station in LA was KQL, licensed on December 13th, 1921 by uh, what a radio man's name, Arno Klug. Say it again. Arno Klug. Wow. Is that a a, like Arno? Are no clues? Is this a crime? 
Are we investigators now? Is this part of what they call in Canada Cluedo? (laughs) What we call in America Clue, the mystery board game? Do they really call it Cluedo? They do. It's weird. I don't know why. And we have some Canadian listeners. Please tell me why they call it Cluedo. (laughs) Do you have to play with Play-Doh and they have to mix the two together? Every crime, he killed him in the ice rink with (laughs) Play-Doh. He made a shiv of Play-Doh and put it in a kiln. The butler did it in Wayne Gretzky's restaurant <laughs> with the, the Play-Doh. They killed Tim Hortons. They killed a Tim Hortons. Not a man named Tim Hortons. They killed a Tim Hortons. Colonel Mustard did it with the stale Tim Hortons donut. <laughs> so this Arnold Klug was broadcasting out of 1045 South Bixel Street, right across the oh. street from LA Live. Now LA Live. Okay. He was just broadcasting live in LA back then. This station was tied for sixth overall station in the United States to get licensed, but they only lasted until June 9th, 1922. Also coming out in 1921 were KZC, KYJ, and KGC. I'm going to accidentally say KGB at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Broadcasting out of the KKK. KKKK. <laughs> the K- racist. KKKK. <laughs> News 90K. <laughs> You must be white. <laughs> um, so KGC, which is now the aforementioned KNX 1070 News Radio. So it turned into that. Okay. Which KNX 1070 News Radio is now the oldest station in LA and the seventh oldest in the United States. Wow, really? And also one of the most boring stations. Even <laughs> Great more, jingle, though. The best song they play on that. <laughs> or the, you keep calling to request. Yeah. Can you play the jingle? Can you play the the noise you make when you're going to do the traffic? Do 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 do. Oh, I love that. Just a loop for three and a half minutes. That'd be great. So the call letters for stations went from three to four letters in April 1922, and they would either be randomly assigned to you, or you could try to make some word or meaning out of them, like KKKK. To varying success, Amy Semple McPherson got her radio station to be called KFSG for the Four Square Gospel Church. KIIS Kiss was not for kissing. But because it looked like their AM frequency 115. Oh, IIS. Cute. Boobs. But. Flip it over. Yeah, flip it over. And you can kiss that, <laughs> meaning my butt. On the other side, KGEF was a religious station, so they tried to spin their name of Keep God Ever First, and then Kind, Gentle, Empathetic Friend. Uh, that's work. The other ones don't make me work for it. KOG was broadcasting out of a movie theater on Grand downtown, so mm-hmm. they tried to spin it as Kinema Cinema oh with a K God. on Grand. That's so funny. <laughs> KFWO over on Catalina Island tried to be Catalina with a K. Catalina for wonderful outings. <laughs> Some of them don't make you work so much. And they're just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And the other ones are just like, okay, the one, imagine the one is an I. Uh, okay. And imagine. Uh, if you get that decoder from the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> imagine the J and the K make the same sound. Okay. And then. A lot of this early stuff, as you might've already put together, was just religious things. Great songs. By June, 1922, there were 25 commercial radio stations in LA. But the problem was that at the beginning, they were all sharing the same frequency of 360 a.m. Oh my god, so they'd have to sh- oh, yeah. like schedule time? They would. That meant constantly be negotiating like, okay, I'm going to broadcast from 9.30 to 10. You're going to broadcast from 10 to 10.45. Yeah. All the stations in LA were working together on this. That's really odd. I mean, it's cool that it's kind of collaborative but also like like all the religious <laughs> church groups are trying to compete <laughs> for everyone's faith. And then comes like the Howard Stern of the day. Do you see this? Reverend Bob Schuller. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Bob Bowie. <laughs> Reverend Bob Bob Bowie. <laughs> 
<laughs> the honored reverend Bob, Bob Bowie. Praise him. He's saying, show me your ankles to, to all of the religious ladies at church. So each of these stations would only get like an hour and an or hour and a half a day before they had to, like I said, let someone else on the air. Sometimes two stations could broadcast at the same time, depending on their location in the city and the signal strength. So okay. like you could be like, okay, we can be on at the same time, but you're reaching people in Santa Monica. I'm reaching people downtown. Right. They formed the Southern California Broadcast Association to handle all the scheduling stuff. But even so, on September 1922, the city issued a nightly listening period from 7.20 to 7.40 p.m. each night where local stations had to go silent so that people could try listening to broadcasts coming in from other cities that had more powerful transmitters. Wow, okay. But you only got like 20 minutes of it to listen to like the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra or something. And then Bob Bob Bowie comes back on. So I'm over at the, I'm sitting on the pew and boy, I know why they call it that. Bob Bob Bowie. <laughs> There's this guy hanging from a cross. Put some pants on the guy. <laughs> Why can't we get a broad up there? <laughs> it's so funny. We took 20 minutes. Like, okay, let's see what the real cities are doing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you don't want to listen to this all the time. Let's see what a real station. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing, but like also needed. That's such like a, if we walk through a nice neighborhood, maybe the TV station, we'll see a TV in somebody's living room and we'll just from the sidewalk look. And that's your TV for the week, kids. I bet the radio signal makes mute sound terrible. <laughs> that month, they also added a second wavelength in LA of 400 to ease the overcrowding. And then in 1923, started spacing things out even more in 10 kilohertz increments so that several stations could broadcast at okay. once. You didn't all have to share the same frequency. The number of stations grew as the 20s went on, but not by that much really. In 1927, there were still only 27 active radio stations. The reason for that was because radio wasn't profitable. Right. So most stations ended up closing within a year right. because they're not making, like there's nothing, like I'm not getting, my church isn't making money off of this, so why should I do it? Baba Booey. <laughs> The only reason to have a church is to make money. I could make advertising money. <laughs> By the late 20s, the station with the strongest signal in LA was KFI, who had listeners in New Zealand, wow. which is a proud tradition we now follow. <laughs> uh, the LA County Forestry Department had KFPR. The Pasadena Star newspaper had KPSN. Warner Brothers started running KFWB News 98. That's the one I was talking about. Every time I, I read it, I'd have to be, how, how much time do they require? Uh, you give us, yeah, give well, us 15 minutes and we'll, we'll We'll give, give you the you world. The world. <laughs> I forgot how much time they have now. You give us 15 to 60 minutes and yeah, uh, we'll, we'll give you most of the world. The Echo Park Evangelistic Association had KFSG. Trinity Methodist Church had KGEF. In 1927, KGFJ became LA's first 24-hour station lasting until 1996. Wow, really? That's a stretch. That's a lot of hours. Yeah. That's 70 years worth of 24 hours. <laughs> but the 30s was when radio really figured itself out in LA thanks to two things. The first was the invention of car radios because mm -hmm. LA was becoming car city and with more cars being made with built-in radios that meant more demand for stations that weren't just broadcasting Amy Semple McPherson sermons. Yeah. Cruising down Van Nuys Boulevard blasting the latest Amy Semple McPherson sermon. Blasting her newest hit. Hell. Yeah. How to get there. <laughs> if I go drowning, don't look for me. By Amy Semple McPherson. <laughs> what was the name of the... There was a record store uh, that was famous on the Sunset Strip. Wallach's Music Wallach's. City. And Wallach's was installing car radios, wasn't he? Or what did he invent them? I don't remember. It was <laughs> Madman Muntz was actually oh, the guy right. who I believe invented car radios. And he was, there's more history there than what we might have just said incorrectly, but yeah. Madman Muntz is involved. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, I feel like he's involved in so much. I don't mean to implicate Madman Muntz in this, but <laughs> it's time he has his reckoning. Someone innocently named like Madman Muntz? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, <laughs> could you send this gentle madman to prison? Car <laughs> 
dealerships started broadcasting out of their showrooms to drum up sales. Oh, wow. Okay, that's smart. The second big thing for LA radio was Hollywood. In 1930, a show called California Melodies was put on the air out of Hollywood, and it was jam-packed with stars from the studios and film-related news, and it got a lot of listeners, which meant that Hollywood just figured out a whole new revenue stream. Ads started being sold, and by 1938, 600 actors had been paid a combined $5 million to be on the radio. Wow. It was a money-making thing, which is the only reason to do radio. (laughs) But the radio also started catering to more local needs and interests. KMPC would broadcast the rehearsals at the Hollywood Bowl, which I would love to still exist. USC and LA City College were broadcasting lectures, which I think would also be kind of nice, depending on the lecture. There were some 72 educational programs being broadcast a week over 12 different stations around LA. KFOX in Long Beach helped people get emergency information after the 1933 Long Beach earthquake. The LAPD started using radio communication in their cars. The major disaster emergency cancel started using it for emergency broadcast. The U.S. Weather Service did daily weather reports on KRKD. The Fruit Frost Division did weather warnings for local farmers. Commercial plane transmissions started coming out of Minesfield, aka LAX. Ship-to-shore communication were going in and out of Torrance. So radio was big. Like It it was functional and and also fun in the late 30s. Uh, I implore you. <laughs> I'm begging you to understand that it was fun. It's infotainment, Greg. <laughs> it was also a major hobby for people. There were 3,500 licensed shortwave operators in town around this time, and radio magazines started being published in LA to cater to all these geeks. <laughs> but now let's hear about just a few of the biggest ones from time immemorial. Time to get into my first one. Let's do it. Hey, hey, KHJ. Oh my God. Hey, hey, KHJ, come back. We need cool radio stations. Good. Is that in reference to something? I have no idea. Hey, hey, LBJ. No, oh. no, no. It, wait. It doesn't go, hey, hey, LBJ, come again some other day. That's rain, rain, go away. Maybe that's what I was going for. Oh, okay. Now I get it. Okay. Well, it's funny. <laughs> I thought you were going for a, hey, Mickey, you're so fine. So I was like, oh, he said, hey, twice. You're already off on the wrong track. Hey, hey, Mickey, Mickey. Hey, hey, LBJ, come again some other day. And he will. Hey, hey, LBJ, come again some other day. K-I-S-S-I-N-G, come on, won't you sing with me? Nailed it. That's what I was going for. Yeah. This is when a school teacher has a stroke in class. This is what it sounds like. This is all part of the infotainment, Greg. <laughs> this is info war, infotainment wars. So, like I said, we need cool radio stations. That's because Radio KHJ, for a while, was considered the coolest station to be listening to in Los Angeles. Do you know KHJ? No, not really. Once I describe it more, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. Okay. But way back in the beginning, it was, dare I say, very not cool. Oh, no. I wouldn't know what that's like. I mean, I'm always being cool. So. I just checked my notes. <laughs> uh, let me, hang on. Let me get my coolometer. <laughs> my cooldar is, right. m- might be on the fritz. No, coolometer is a much funnier thing to say, unaware that coolo means butt. <laughs> the coolometer is my website where I <laughs> objectify people. It's like, tell me if my girlfriend is prettier.com right, right, right. or whatever. Was, Facebook was all, almost called coolometer. <laughs> My coolometer is off the charts. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. The very first broadcast of KHJ was April 13th, 1922, after the station was founded by good old Mr. Coolo himself, Harry Chandler. Harry Chandler. Harry Chandler. Notorious bad guy? Harry Coolo, more like. <laughs> Notoriously uncool resident of Los Angeles, Harry Chandler. This very first broadcast began with the station ID being sung by Canaries, which is actually kind of cool. That is pretty cool. KFWB News 98. 
Trip. <laughs> then they had a playing of the Star Spangled Banner, which okay. is standard. Can't get any cooler than that. <laughs> and then you had remarks from Harry Chandler himself. Oh boy. Then a soprano solo. Okay. Which one was it? Meadow or I was just about to say. What, what was the son's name? Not Sparky. Isn't it not Junior? You know the show better than I do. That's true, but I forgot the least memorable character's name. AJ. 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 That's right. Anthony Junior. Junior. AJ. Have a little respect. He's still out there, Greg. <laughs> His dad, maybe not, but he's still out there. So then after AJ Solo, they had a vaudeville sketch called mm-hmm. 10 Minutes of Fun, which again, we're following in a very long yeah. LA tradition of we're going to do a comedy cold yeah. open for the very first radio station. It should have been called Six Minutes of Fun. Yeah. Four to six minutes of infotainment. Infotainment. I wonder if they lost a lot of new listeners from having that right at the beginning. Maybe we should have opened our shows with a soprano so yeah maybe we should open every episode with a star spangled banner We'd certainly get a certain demographic, <laughs> but our idea of a soprano solo is just telling our favorite scenes from The Sopranos. <laughs> and see what Greg can remember from The Sopranos. There's a pool. They're at Satrials, <laughs> the pork story, aka the pork story. So then after 10 minutes of fun, another soprano solo. Okay. This time it was- uh, What's the wife's name again? A.W., Anthony wife. <laughs> uh, Carmela. Carmela, thank you. So then they had the news. 10 minutes of news. Minutes. I asked for the news, not the weather, <laughs> which was what people would right in when they gave the weather then they had a baritone <laughs> solo that's not oh, a, that's not an hbo show you put a lot of emphasis on bear the bear baritone solo 10 minutes from a bear they just played the um grizzly man when he's being <laughs> eaten by the bear um and then the broadcast was closed out with some bedtime stories that's cute that's pretty cute and also why didn't we ever do that yeah. <laughs> uh, so we still could day to day they were just doing public event news and children's programs and were of course very conservative it was harry chandler one of their on-air personalities was uncle john daggett who was a kids show host and became la's first radio celebrity because he was so popular wow i don't know what he did i'm guessing bedtime stories yeah. and that was all it took teaching kids how to like make fire yeah like, how to chop firewood and <laughs> uncle john's here to teach you hey kids grab your parents matchbook <laughs> we're making some fires tell them uncle john sent you <laughs> tell a fire Firemen, the eight firemen in the city that Uncle John Daggett sent Why don't you, you go down to the ballroom on the pier and start a fire? <laughs> He's the one behind all of the great fires of Los Angeles history. Take your business on over to the Pan Pacific Auditorium. <laughs> Talent Uncle John Daggett sent you. Go on down to the Hollywood racetrack. And <laughs> Uncle John said, bring your oldest newspaper. So Harry Chandler lost interest in all this junk. And by 1926, the station was sold to a Cadillac dealer named Don Lee, okay. who is a perfect name for a Cadillac dealer. I don't really know much about what was going on in the station throughout the 30s because history's consensus on it seems to be who cares. But in March 1941, they switched to their famous frequency 930 and around this time also got their permanent station at 5515 Melrose right next to Paramount, which still looks the same. It's the same building. It just doesn't say KHJ on it, but you can still see it. Although I know you're not welcome around Paramount anymore because you work at Sony. Yeah, I work work at a competitor. So if I'm even close to Disney Studios or Paramount. Uh, there's a, a warning shot, at least. Yeah, what's uh, what's his name? What's the fixer's name? Oh, Eddie Mannix. Eddie Mannix. Uh, Eddie Mannix worked at my thing. Ed, oh, okay. Uh, I walk in the steps of Eddie Mannix. Thank you. <laughs> Eddie, Mu- Eddie uh, Munster. Eddie Munster. Eddie Munster. <laughs> Eddie Munster works at Paramount and he sniffs. <laughs> B5. <laughs> <laughs> 
I smell the blood of a Sony man. <laughs> so by the time the 50s rolled along, they were acquired by RKO and got a new jingle sung by the Johnny Man singers and switched to a popular top 40 music format and also had a TV station, Channel 19, which in itself was very influential in perfecting the format of TV shows, which I didn't look into because we're talking about radio yeah. tonight. But just believe me. That's extra work. They were influential. <laughs> but the mid-60s is when KHJ became what people who didn't fight in the Civil War now <laughs> fondly remember it as, and it began with a man called, or named, yeah. Bill Drake. Great name for a guy. In the early, uh, perfect male name. Yeah. Two words, two syllables. They sound aggressive. In the early 60s, he was working at another RKO-owned station in San Diego, but they wanted to put him to the test, so they sent him up to LA in the kind of flailing KHJ to see what he would do, because it was both RKO, he was property of RKO to be sent wherever they wanted him. His big idea for the place was to totally revamp the station's format, and in doing so, revamp the format of radio as a whole. His new rule became known as the Drake format. Okay, Isn't that just the meme, where he's like, looking away and then he's pointing happily yeah that's sure what, what suddenly i know memes more than you do <laughs> that, that meme of drake the rapper where he's like looking away and then he's like happy about yeah. it Yo, oh you got it yeah yeah oh that's the one greg here's my meme for this episode <laughs> khj pre-1941 and drake's like no looking thanks. away no and thanks. then khj post-1941 after very manly named bill drake takes yeah. over and he's pointing he's pointing this yeah. is gonna take off greg <laughs> we we should start a new podcast where we just describe memes that we have planned or <laughs> What, and it's called What Do You Meme? <laughs> Greg, this thing has legs. Uh, okay. I made a pun, Greg. Uh, Greg, here's another one. So it's Drake looking away and it yeah. says, a world where What Do You Meme doesn't exist. And then Drake's like that. He's happy. Uh, what Do You Meme exists. Pointing. You got it. Oh, you nailed it. I get memes. And I support Drake. <laughs> and more so than anything, any <laughs> alumni of Degrassi, I will, I will always support. So to start, he cut it down from top 40 to top 30 popular hits they would only play. There would no longer be any dead air while they were broadcasting, which meant DJs who talked faster and also talked less. He e- Auctioneers. Which, the only shy auctioneers, <laughs> which it's it's funny to one consistent uh, note we get is you talk fast. Yeah. And for this, well, the Drake format says, uh, <laughs> well, if you follow the popular Drake format of radio broadcasting, actually. I have to talk this many miles per hour. Yeah. Look, we've got a quota. We've got to get this many words yeah. in per minute. He even went so far as to set time limits on the banter between songs. Wow. Which is something we once joked about having on live shows, like yeah. a chess timer a chess thing. timer. Of like, you're joking too much, people want to go home. Yeah. We mostly just wanted to hit a thing and, yeah. and have fun. <laughs> we just wanted so badly to buy a chess timer <laughs> that we just needed any excuse. Well, now that we have it, I guess we could play chess. <laughs> I guess we could, I don't know, go to Washington Square Park and beat a bunch of men from Central America at chess. So commercials were not allowed to be longer than a certain length, okay. and he lowered the number of commercials from 18 to 12 an hour. They were also to be placed more strategically so as not to give listeners a chance to tune out and there were also no more excessively long jingles allowed. Okay. <laughs> this is just a song. Our four minute jingle <laughs> that we're about to play a Johnny Mathis song. Yeah, the jingle has a bridge. <laughs> His name is O-S-C-A-R. <laughs> All this meant less talk and less commercials and more music. He was boiling down music radio to its essence wow. of just a little bit of people talking and just just a lot of music. For on-air personalities, he brought in a trio of now legendary names in LA radio, Robert Morgan in the mornings, the mm-hmm. real Don Steele in the afternoons, and Ron Jacobs in the evenings. Do you know the real Don Steele? No, I don't. I don't really know him, but I know the name, the real Don Steele. Like that's a iconic name in radio. I'm okay. aware of that much. 
This new format launched May 3rd, 1965 with the new rebranded Boss Radio, <laughs> KHJ, Boss in the 60s sense of cool, not the modern yeah. Boss Baby sense. <laughs> Which is also cool. Which I, I think I'm not alone in feeling is also cool. Every time I reach for a cookie, I have to think, did I close this week? <laughs> And if not, I put the cookie back in the cookie jar. <laughs> I have to earn it. Uh, who put the cookie yeah. in the cookie jar? LBJ. <laughs> Couldn't be. Then who? He closed for sure. The <laughs> casket on the JFK assassination. The CIA put the cookie <laughs> in the cookie jar. The cookie being Robert F. Kennedy and John F. Kennedy. The cookie jar being the casket. Before the new Drake format started, and I can't wait for the new Drake format to come out, <laughs> KHJ only had 2% of the LA listening audience but by October of that year, they had 15% of it, making them wow. the number one in their category, which included 48% of all the teen listeners in LA. So the new format was an instant hit. Like this was, if you were a young, cool person, you were listening to KHJ That's in the cool. 60s. It's boss. I, it's also boss. <laughs> That's also the name of the club that took over for Zeros before it became the comedy star was It's Boss. Um, <laughs> it's true. So cool. But they did meet it in the boss baby sense. I really I really do like when, I guess the word is zeitgeist, but there, there's a moment where it's agreed an uh, unspoken rule that like oh if you're cool you listen to this <laughs> yeah and i miss that sort of thing yeah me too we've never been on the inside of it i know i miss being on the outside of that sort of I thing i miss being a month late into that <laughs> this format also became the standard for most modern radio stations like not a lot of talk stations are actively advertising like we have less commercials yeah. and no hosts <laughs> um, the two things you hate about radio <laughs> i am a robot we just put a record on we walk away <laughs> and we come back 30 minutes later we have robots as dj and yet we still play records. <laughs> and we every once in a while, a human has to come in to put a needle on a new one. He won't say a thing. <laughs> we swear. <laughs> we took out his vocal cords. <laughs> they were competing with KFWB News 98, 98 for a while, but in March, because KFWB used to be music, but in That's March right. 1968, KFWB Radio 98, they went full news radio. Uh -huh. So if you wanted to get hit music in the late 60s and 70s in LA, you were listening to KHJ. That was the only, not the only, but that was like yeah. the place to go. Even beyond that, there was a period where KHJ was the most popular station in the entire country. That's crazy. It was the cruising station in the 60s and 70s and it was the cool station to listen to. You can hear it being played throughout Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like oh, they they, right. re, they found like old, you're listening to bus radio yeah. and then Brad Pitt beats up Bruce Lee. Yep. <laughs> Without controversy, he beats <laughs> up Bruce, Bruce Lee. Lee. The greatest fighter <laughs> of that era. I think Quentin Dino said that he like lucked out and found somebody who had tape like he had been searching for years and it's like one day this dude just had a box I, I think I'm remembering that correctly I don't know I mean a few minutes ago you were saying you don't know what KHJ was and now you have all this I know the story that Tarantino KHJ trivia I know that whatever music played in uh, whatever fake or, right, right, right. What? No, it was real whatever. it was real okay whatever <laughs> everything, <laughs> everything that happened in that movie <laughs> was <Brown>. real <laughs> I'm just gonna name all those movies um, half of Dust Till Dawn <laughs> so Wallach's Music City not Madman Munts yeah. Wallach's Music City would print out their top 30 list every week so people would know what records to buy. If a band wanted to get heard, they would take their records down to KHJ Station and beg them to play them. Cool. I've, we've seen that seen in movies before. We have. The Birds did this. Sonny and Cher did this. And countless others who history will never remember did this. <laughs> in 1966, Brian Wilson was a fan of KHJ and gave them a new song he had recorded. And KHJ became the first station to ever play Good Vibrations. <laughs> he gave them the scoop. Hey, I, I spent like nine million dollars yeah. making this one song and I've perfectly crafted it and it destroyed my family. Do you want to play it? Yeah, you want to play it on your scratchy AM radio station? <laughs> You're playing it wrong. 
You're playing it wrong. Play it right. You're playing it wrong. I'm going to be in everybody's car radio adjusting the <laughs> adjusting tuner. Adjusting the bass. <laughs> no, play it again. No, four hours have passed. No, play it, play it again. They had a ton of DJs with names even you and I are familiar with today. Charlie Tuna. Okay. Remember him? Yeah. Uh, not just the guy selling Starkist. <laughs> Machine Gun Kelly. Not that one. Oh. Uh, Sam Riddle. Not Tom Riddle. Not Nelson Riddle. Not, I don't know who Nelson Riddle is. I, I only know Nelson. Lord Voldemort. <laughs> he who shall not be DJing. <laughs> uh, Jerry Butler, Humble Harv, Wink Martindale. Oh, wow, okay. And Rick Dees were all wow. uh, DJs on really? uh, KHJ. I only know Wink Martindale as a reference, and I'm trying to think of like, and I'm pretty sure I've heard Conan say it as a joke, Wink Martindale. <laughs> I know that he's, I think, still alive. Oh, yeah? I just know him as a radio person, but it's like Johnny Carson where yeah. people are like, oh, Johnny was the best. Like, how am I supposed to know? He's not on... Well, I guess now he is on like Pluto TV. He wasn't for a very long time, but every time he said something something about comedy, they'd be like, well, you don't know if you haven't watched Johnny Carson. You don't know radio if you've never heard Wink Martindale in the morning. (laughs) They also still had that TV station. So they were also broadcasting TV dance shows like Ninth Street West and Groovy. Oh, Groovy Uh, playing on there? (laughs) Pretending like I know some obscure reference. Oh, Groovy Groovy was on there? Is Groovy still on the air? (laughs) That'd be pretty Groovy if it was. Why don't they have dance shows anymore? There might be some on stations I'm not aware of. Yeah, I don't TV stations I'm not aware of. Where, yeah, um, there might be. I, that'd be I guess TikTok is just a, one big dance station. Not even intercontinental. Yeah, it is intercontinental. It's the intercontinental house of TikTok. <laughs> they did concerts all over town in the mid-70s with their KHJ Coca-Cola concert caravan. Pretty cool. They had them at the Del Amo Mall, Laurel Plaza, which is now NoHo West in North Hollywood, and... At the Northridge Mall, the people who sang the Happy Days theme song performed there. Pretty cool. <laughs> I would have, oh, would I have? Even when I was going there circa 2002 after middle school at Nobel, if the singers of the Happy Days theme song were there, I would have lost my mind. Oh, yeah. I would have been a one-man Beatles mania. Yeah. <laughs> crying, tearing up seats. Sorry, everybody else in middle school. I'm not going to go see Fast and the Furious with you. I'm going to listen to the people who sing the Happy Days theme song. It's a part of the song that really gets good. All of it. It gets I mean, good all from- of it's good, but there's a part of it is like, oh, they've worked themselves into a frenzy. <laughs> of course, at all these concerts, you got all the free Coke you could handle. <laughs> Not the other 70s type of Coke, but the good Coke. <laughs> the wet Coke. <laughs> I got all the wet Coke you can handle. <laughs> they also became known for their crazy promotional gimmicks as well. They had one contest where if you counted out how many Ringo Starr songs they played in one weekend, you won dinner for two with Ringo Starr. You're kidding. You know who hated that? Ringo Starr. <laughs> Could you imagine? I don't even know if I would like that. To, to, like that, I don't know what. What would I say? Dinner for two with Ringo, like me and Ringo Starr sitting at Musso and Frank's. Like, what am I gonna? What am I gonna say to Ringo Starr? T- talk the entire time about George Harrison. So, what's George like? George still around? <laughs> Do you want to call George right now? There's room in this booth. How, <laughs> let's call George and John right now. I'll ask the waiter if he can bring a table over. In another contest, they gave away four VW Beetles, one for each Beetle. <laughs> there was one contest that ended with Mama Cass delivering puppies to people in the valley. That's pretty cute. And they went out of their way in that anecdote to say that she was eating cheeseburgers the entire time, which feels untrue and also rude. Yeah, 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 yeah. More rude than untrue. Not saying that it was true. I'm just saying super rude. I'm not debating the likelihood of it, but it is ultra rude. Even if she had one, 
not a problem. Even if she ate the whole time, it's also not a problem. That's her business. But that's rude. In February 1969, they did a legendary 48-hour broadcast on the history of rock and roll. Wow. 48 hours of it. They had another one where Don Steele would drive around a neighborhood in a red car and they would broadcast out clues to his whereabouts. And if you found him and did something that they said to do to him on the radio, you'd get a cash prize. And I don't know what that meant. I don't know if it was like, tell him, good day, mate, and yeah. you get $100 or like... Like, punch him in the kidneys and you'll <laughs> give him the old Houdini special. <laughs> you got time to tense up for this? <laughs> You're not so steel anymore now, are you, real Don? But during one of these contests in 1975, it turned into an 80 mile per hour car chase and somebody got killed. Wow. We'll, we'll do a different one next year. Yeah. Maybe he'll be running down the street. Yeah. We'll do it in SUVs next time. It'll, it'll play different. <laughs> so he'll be on a train next yeah. year. But all that good, wholesome fun had to end sometime. As the 70s went on, more top 30, top 40 radio stations started popping up around town and suddenly the boss had competition. And through that and just the general decline in quality, they just started to fade away. On November 7th, 1980 at 9 p.m., they officially abandoned being boss radio and switched to country music. The land where boss is a bad thing because he's making you clock into the coal mine. (laughs) However, in April 1983, they switched back to their Glory Days format, but focused on the music still of the 60s and 70s, which by 1983 was basically classic rock, so it was like an oldie station. Yeah. Then on January 31st, 1986, they changed their call letters to match those of their FM sister station, which was beginning to get more popular and were now called KRTH. Yes, that one. K-Earth. Wow, really? They were the AM sister station oh, of K-Earth. They focused solely on 50s music, but by the late 80s, they ceased operations as a radio station of their own and became the AM simulcast of the FM K-Earth 101. Okay. So it was on AM and FM. Their TV station on December 2nd, 1989 became what is now KCAL, KCAL 9. Okay. In the 90s, as FM was the thing and KRTH didn't need an AM version of itself anymore, the AM station became the Spanish-speaking KKHJ radio Noticias and then La Ranchera, but there was a minor controversy when they had to do their station identifications in English because they couldn't say caca. In, they couldn't say caca HJ, caca H J. Why not? <laughs> Say it. Radio Kaka. <laughs> I want a sticker so bad. This is Radio Kaka. <laughs> All we need is Radio Kaka. Ooh, this Radio Kaka is hot. <laughs> Did you hear the hot new Kaka? <laughs> so then in 2014, they were sold to Immaculate Heart Radio, which is not what iHeart Radio now stands for. <laughs> I checked. I was like, is iHeart Radio just a religious station? <laughs> and they now do Catholic stuff, whatever that is. So like Gregorian chants? Exorcisms. Yeah. yeah. Gregorian chants. <laughs> live broadcast of exorcisms. So farewell khj you may have been the boss but nobody's the boss of jesus <laughs> what was was it 93.1 that was uh yeah what, what was arrow no not, not that what was the cool station for a while they're no longer around that had like jonesy's jukebox and stuff oh my god what was that it was like an 89.9 yeah oh my god i'm gonna look it up real quick because I, I, i'm desperate to know because that was the cool station for a while for i feel like in our time that was well although a lot of people growing up listen to k-rock but like I, yeah. I feel like whatever it is that we're trying to figure out right now was the the KHJ of our generation. Yeah, but that was like a, a station that popped up that was immediately. I think the first thing I heard of it maybe was an Operation Ivy song. I thought, oh, this, oh, they're cool. <laughs> this is the cool station. This is the cool this station. This is Boss. Oh, Indy One Hundred Three. That's it. Indy One Hundred Three. Yeah, yeah, they were cool. They were very 
cool. <laughs> now we're going to get a little more modern with right. your first radio station. What have you got for me, Greg? Greg, what do you've got? It better be boss. I spent a lot of the time trying to find, I swore that there were more comedy radio shows based out of Los Angeles. And I, I was like, no, Jack Benny, Burns and Allen. I know that they, they broadcast there. They all broadcast out of New York. And I spent a lot mm. of time. So I was trying to think of like what, did I really have a connection to? I didn't want to do K-Rock because too many bad memories would come back. But there was, because I rode the school bus uh, in middle oh, school. God. And there was two years where we had the same bus driver. Yes. And he would blast Power 106. We must have time. had the same bus driver. My God. My, all my mornings going to school in middle school were listening to Big Boy. Big Boy. Yeah. <laughs> listening to Big Boy. And then the same like Puff Daddy song would come on. <laughs> it felt like over and over. Uh, <laughs> Men in Black would play. And be like, oh my God, get me off this bus. <laughs> this song really slaps. <laughs> it's a banger. So I wanted to look into it because I didn't really know anything about it. I didn't really, I know a little bit about Big Boy because he's like a, as I say in here, he's like the most of the local celebrities that we have, maybe the most normal. Yeah, you know what's weird? If we look at like Angeline and Dennis <laughs> Woodruff yeah. and like other people. Nobody's more normal than Big Boy. <laughs> it's so weird. Everybody kind of grew up listening to Big Boy yeah. and I, I'm not like the kind of guy who was listening to Big Boy's music, but right. like I was just exposed to it from being on the school bus because right. apparently you were listening to Big Boy yeah. for a other podcast where we're going to be on later today, uh, where we're going to be talking about more commercials. Um, I asked Carl Tart if he remembers any like local uh, Valley commercials because I brought up Universal City Nissan yeah. and he said, oh yeah, I remember that from listening to Big Boy every morning. So like everybody <laughs> apparently who's uh, around our age yeah. was listening to Big Boy every morning. And it's the kind of thing, maybe it was our age when, when Power 106 was kind of at its peak, but like we just accepted it. Like we were just like, well, that's Big Boy, obviously. Like everyone knows him. It's the more why aren't you listening to yeah, Big, Big Boy? Boy? Yeah, I'd see him on a billboard. I'm like, of course he's on a billboard. He's Big Boy. I would salute him. Yeah. <laughs> that big old stomach. I would it'd take two salutes to salute him. But <laughs> He's bigger than most men. It should be mentioned he is quite skinny nowadays. Yeah. We'll it's talk, kind we'll, of upsetting, but yeah. It's good for him, uh, but it's also like my brain needs to be like, that's not Big Boy. Oh, that's Big Boy. We're talking about Power 106, where hip hop lives. Uh, it's the residence. That's where it gets all its mail. Forward all letters that you have for NWA to. <laughs> uh, it's uh, KPWR 105.9 Station Burbank. Transmitted out of Mount Wilson. Really? Both of those things are shocking that it's done in Burbank and transmitted out of the highest peak in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> There's a radio tower in Echo Park and a lot of people, there was like a like a rumor that it was Power 106 was transmitted out of there, but I don't think that's true. I'm not, I'm not I don't want to jump ahead too much, but I believe that is K-Day or was oh. K-Day. Oh, on the hill behind me? Yeah. Okay. You can tell me whatever. I'm like, right. <laughs> I have no way to verify that. Oh, that was K-D-X-W. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, there, wow. I know that when I used to plug in my guitar amp before I put in the plug for the guitar it would work as like a radio and i'd get spanish stations very clearly really out of my amp yeah what if uh you plug it in and they're playing like led zeppelin like <laughs> and you're like hey mom mom listen look. to this <laughs> i'm playing guitar so well it sounds like robert plant why does it sound like el raton <laughs> so let's make the first 40 years of this history of the station kind of zoom by from 1946 to about 1984 fm station 105.9 goes through many iterations and call signs beginning first as KFI FM, an easy listening station. Then in 1958, it changes to K-West, K-W-S-T 106, playing what is called beautiful music, which is just like instrumentals and like elevator music, which also, it's so good. Those songs are so inspiring. <laughs> and that lasts until 1975 when it flips entirely and becomes a rock station following the popular model that KMET and KLOS created. That only lasts six years until 1981 when the ratings slipped. Once again, the model was fiddle with and this genre of- To fiddle music? To fiddle music, yeah. It, it had 
a resurgence because of Deliverance. <laughs> this music just brings back good memories. <laughs> so the genre of music kind of changed and they went for like a top 40s, kind of, they try to be a top 40s station. Mm-hmm. Also around the same time, firing all of the DJs. Early 80s, they're just like, yeah, we're going to clean house. So in 1983, K-West converted to KMGG or Magic 106, going for upbeat adult contemporary music. And that also didn't last. So after about four decades of chasing the audience and failing, Magic 106 was sold to Emmis Communications in Indianapolis, founded by Jeffrey Simoleon. I don't know if in 1984, Emmis was a giant media company, but since then has become one. Or at least that's what the website says. They grew with Big Boy's stomach. With Big Boy's stomach, they just kept getting bigger. Magic 106 held its own playing top 40 hits, but a new market in the mid 80s was starting to become popular. On the website, I got a lot of information on the term urban music or the urban market was used a lot, which I don't like to use. <laughs> the music genre more appropriately would be called hip hop, which was not quite 10 years old in its realized state by that point. Although it, that that's arguable. I think the culture was 10 years old. I think the music was... I mean, Rapper's Delight, as I now know from this research, yes. was 1979, I believe. But then there was... Breakdance culture. But there was like the funk stuff going on right, right, that right. was closer to hip-hop than, yeah. than rap. But by, I think, 86, it was starting to become what it is. Like, it's well, they starting did say hip-hop. Hippity, hippity, hip hop. It did. You don't stop. And what you hear is quite a tale about... Um, anyways <laughs> and now we bring in the rapping granny <laughs> so a lot of people argue with when is the actual beginning of hip hop rap music music like mm-hmm. the, that that would go on like the prototype basically but hip hop and R&B predominantly catered to an African American and Latino community which of course even that is reductive because plenty of people from different ethnicities cultures classes all love hip hop hey I was listening to Big Boy <laughs> <laughs> while Emmis wouldn't adopt this genre right away the slow integration would eventually become the station's identity so by January of 1986. Emmis would establish the station as a channel for dance music, top 40s, but it would need a new name. Magic 106 KMGG would now be K-Power, K-P-W-R 106, Power 106, and use the new moniker LA's Hottest Music, which I feel like I heard. I heard that at the tail end of its existence and then eventually became where hip-hop lives. Where hip-hop lives. I, I feel like uh, a lot of stations have, no, I don't, maybe it's just, I don't know where I heard that, but I heard it somewhere. I swear to God. I swear to God I've heard LA's Hottest Music. <laughs> That's just what I say whenever I put in a CD of Sum 41 into my <laughs> CD player. That's what I say out loud. LA's Hottest Music. Is hottest music. A bunch of Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to be skaters from San Diego. God. Uh, Power 106 first DJ would be Jay Thomas, who was a comedian and actor you might know from Murphy Brown and Cheers. That was Carla's boyfriend in Cheers. And he would pop up uh, every once in a while in Cheers. Carla had a boyfriend yeah briefly and they like got married and i don't remember it he passed away in 2017 but they mentioned his show on power 106 being a morning zoo radio program which already makes it sound very curious about him around 1990 it was do you like morning radio no I hate it. Yeah, I've always hated it. It's not good because I, 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 yeah, I, I just never, I mean, it's kind of like a podcast, sure. but like it's, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like it is very abrasive, I guess. Yeah. But like maybe that's just the stereotype I'm thinking of. Right, right. But there's not too many, like the stereotype exists because right. I've heard plenty of morning radio before. I mean, we might be more morning radio than right. Frosty and the Girl or yeah. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it was frustrating. It was almost hostile. Like I was hostile towards it in right. the morning, maybe because I'm so tired. And like, I just want to hear some music. Like, I don't want to hear games and like yeah. people shouting like all of the state capitals so right. they can win gas money. Right, right, right. And especially because it cuts between commercials that are so aggressively trying to trying to get your money, <laughs> and then you go to three hosts, all with seemingly different per- 
personalities, but they're all just like shouty know-it-alls. Um, and then there's like the bad boy. That's Frosty. Yeah, that's Frosty. And then like, of course, like mid nineties, when I was listening to all of this stuff, so many things were happening in the news that you, you just couldn't get, uh, the internet has not made it easier, but like, I don't want to hear about Bill Clinton anymore. I don't want to hear about OJ anymore. I don't want to hear jokes about Amy Fisher anymore. Please leave me alone. And he's just like, Oh, that's what Amy Fisher said. Uh, uh, all I want to hear is rapper's delight. <laughs> Over and over and over. I know that it's a nine minute song. I just want to hear it again. <laughs> it gets me going in the morning. What can I say? People really have fond memories of, yeah. of Kevin and Bean. Yeah, and Kevin and Bean. Was Rodney Bingenheimer a morning no, guy? No, he was an, no. a late night guy. Okay. Uh, late night, I like. Yeah, I do like. like that's I also a, like That's a different shows. vibe. Yeah. Because they're not as annoying. It's kind of sleepy. It's and kind it's, of sleepy. It's, it's usually one person. And it's weird. Yeah. And it's usually like, maybe I'm just thinking of, uh, not Art LeBeau, um, the guy that we once did an intro make making fun of uh, oh, and then he no. died shortly after. Oh, we did spooky Art LeBeau. Um, Who was that guy? The name? guy where people call in and talk about alien yeah. stuff. Like, I love that sort of thing. Oh my God. What, I, I was thinking about him the other day and his name, I was saying it out loud and now I can't even think Well, of our it. intro killed him. What else can we say? <laughs> I remember listening to one or having one on in my periphery, Danny Bonaducci and Gretchen something and another person. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. No more, please. What Was uh, was Loveline a night? That must have been that a, was a night thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, that was a night thing. I never Listen, like Melissa, I know, loved, love, love. We know love. Love, love. It's on love, paper that we love. know love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never listened to that, but, you know, pre-insanity, Adam Carolla uh, was entertaining. Sure. So for me to now have a podcast is really funny because having to listen to a person talk on the radio used to make me so mad because I, I just want to hear corn. <laughs> I just want to hear corn. <laughs> and that brings us to our latest corn hits. <laughs> uh, Mommy's Gotta Die or whatever corn sings about. Mommy's Gotta Die. <laughs> You're thinking of Marilyn Manson. I'm always thinking of Marilyn Manson. Around 1990, it was contending for the number one spot as a favorite radio station in LA and Orange County along with Coast 103.5 and really yeah and their uh, top so 40 boring. soft hits and Kiss FM too there these three were fighting for the top three and like interchanging spots like sometimes you'd be two sometimes you're three sometimes you'd be number one but for years these three stations it seemed like we're fighting for right. the number one spot I never really liked Kiss FM nope, either never. It, it was so popular and yes. I didn't like it yeah and Ryan Seacrest I wasn't a big fan of yeah I knew I wouldn't like somebody if they're like my favorite station is Kiss FM and we got oh we're gonna drive somewhere this car and Kiss FM my sisters would play it all the time growing up mm. so I hear Kiss FM <laughs> I have enough. and they, I guess they played good songs but it wasn't I don't me I'm a big boy guy. I'm a big boy guy. <laughs> as I was then, <laughs> as I told my parents, I am a big boy, which is why I listened to Big Boy. I was a very angry child. Who was yeah, just like, you were angrier than I was. Yeah, I just wanted to hear Black Sabbath all the time. When, when I sort of became, like, you know, had a car and was listening, I was listening to K-Earth all the time. Oh, yeah. Like, that's all I was yeah. listening to. When I started driving, by that time, I was listening to K-Earth because yeah. I'm like, I just want to hear. Now, like, a full a full reversal of, like, I just want to hear softies. Soft oldies. Softies, please. No more anger, please. You're nice. <laughs> Boy, do nice things. Also in 1991, Power 106 True Competition starts, and that's 92.3 The Beat, which is okay, the, the other right. hip-hop station, which through the 90s, would, it would play hip-hop, but proved to historically be the station that was more loved and ultimately less popular, which means it was better. 1992 would be the year that Power 106 would go fully into hip-hop, R&B, and dance music. 1992 was also a huge year for hip-hop. I'm not I'm not going to pretend like I know a lot about hip-hop, but a little bit I know when I read what was charting in 1992, like, oh man, that's, oh wow. Go over some of the big ones. You 
you had some House of Pain. Yeah, there was some crisscross. But you also had Dr. Dre's Chronic, which was a huge album. Let Me Ride was playing on the radio apparently all the time. Ice Cubes, It Was a Good Day came out in 1992. It still plays like on the radio now. BC mm. Boys, Check Your Head, which is one of their best albums. You also had the band Arrested Development. Eric B. <laughs> I had to clarify. I love that one song they do where Ron Howard's talking. Yeah. <laughs> Season three of that yeah. band is really good. When they brought Liza Minnelli into the band, it really <laughs> took it to another level. You also had Eric B. and Rakim were really good. Gangstar, Farside. I didn't like the Netflix remake of that band though. I got what they were going for. I got I got that they want to bring everybody back together, but they should have brought everybody back together. <laughs> it was like a COVID TV show, but way before COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from like standard hip hop, you also had In Vogue, Tony Braxton, and Shaka Khan playing. Shaka Khan? Shaka Khan. Between 1991 and 1993, two of my favorite hip-hop albums were released, which was 1991's Low End Theory and 1993's Midnight Marauders, both by Tribe Called Quest. So they, within two years, released some of the best albums. If it wasn't on Big Boy, I don't know. 1993 would also see Enter the Woo, Enter the World from the Wu-Tang Clan. Cream, Cash Rules Everything Around Me was charting, as it should have been and should still <laughs> be charting. Uh, Snoop Dogg came out around this time, Cypress Hill, De La Soul, Karis One, Tupac Shakur, all around the early 90s, between like 1992 to 1994. Like this yeah. big, huge surge in great quality hip-hop was coming out. Because of all the wow of great music that many consider the golden era of hip-hop, the personality of the station began to develop. A new late-night hip-hop show popped up from the Baker Boys, who were brothers Nick and Eric Vidal, called Friday Night Flavors, which was a long-running favorite. From this show, three future personalities would spring. DJ E-Man, who was uh, Emmanuel Coquia, who later becomes the program director for 106, like, decades later. Uh, Fuzzy Fantabulous, who would <laughs> be a guest host. And a DJ whose real name is Kurt Alexander. We'll get back to him. Uh-oh. After well, Greg, is he big? What's his body type? <laughs> I might be I able to figure this out. I don't usually ask this question because <laughs> it's rude. I don't mean to shame anybody, <laughs> but on a scale of small to big, what kind of boy is he? Is he a boy or is he a man? <laughs> also debuting in 1992 was a late night Saturday show that ran from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. called Power Tools Mix Show, hosted by Richard Humpty Vision. Power Tools specialized. I like that radio DJs can have the stupidest names yeah. and still be considered and we accept cool. It. We're like, oh, cool. Okay. Humble Herve. Wow. Smash Nuts. Cool. <laughs> Mama, I want to listen to Smash Nuts. Yeah. Oh, is that a band or a person? It's a person. Okay. Oh, okay. I got to get to the radio. Fuzzy Wuzzy's new <laughs> show is starting. Is serious though? Fuzzy Wuzzy's show? Really good. Changed my life. Power Tools. Changed my commute on the school bus every morning. <laughs> so Humpty Vision uh, hosted Power Tools Mix Show, which was like dance music and kind of like techno house music. I don't really know the difference, but it was like hardcore dance. Mm -hmm. Like the kind of dance where like, how does anyone dance to this? Uh, in 1996, Power would be- Like this. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel is full dancing. He's just break dancing and not very well. He's spent most of the time looking for a cardboard to lay down. The, the whole time I've been digging through a dumpster behind Albertsons trying to find quietly cardboard. beatboxing to yeah. myself. Ooh, a rat! Is this? Oh, he's dead. No, he's not. <laughs> In 1996, Power would begin their troublesome shuffle between hip-hop and R&B and music that aimed almost directly at their Latino listeners. So they would chase the Latino demographic all the way to hell. Um, for a while <laughs> in that year, they shifted away from hip-hop and started playing house music, resulting in the Bake Boys either leaving due to frustration with the music shift or frustration over being moved from Friday nights, their slot for Friday Night Flavors, onto like a morning show and then afternoon. So they lost their late night show where I guess they had more freedom to play whatever they want. And now they're like during the day where they have to play like what's hot. Friday Night Flavors would eventually be picked back up by the Fantastic Four crew for the number standing for the F uh, in 1998 and that ran until 2006. Also around this time, Power 106 was looking for a morning host and decided on a DJ and former security guard for the far side named Kurt Alexander, or as we know him now, 
big boy. Uh, what's the far side? The comic strip? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I absolutely 100% knew and did, still did not prepare. I should have written in my notes, not the comic strip. I didn't prepare my rebuttal. <laughs> far side was a hip hop group and they're very good. Also very good, the comic strip. Yeah, I mean, hey, One let's not put best. down the far side. It's no Calvin and Hobbes. It's no Peanuts, but it's quite good. <laughs> it's no Doonesbury. It's no Dilbert. Did the creator go crazy? Then it's no Dilbert. Uh, if you grew up or lived in L.A. for some time, you have for sure for a time lived in Big Boy's neighborhood. Well, like I was saying before, he's the most relatable and maybe the most. This is Big Boy's neighborhood and we're all just living in it. <laughs> and we all have to pay taxes to him. He's kind of a lord. He's the most relatable. Big lord. He's the most relatable and approachable of the local celebrities. If you think of other celebrities being like Angeline and right. like the guy who rides rollerblades around like <laughs> Venice Beach. It's you. Yeah. No sure. And they're like, oh, it's rollerblading Jesus or whatever. Whatever. Mm. Like of all those type of celebrities you'd see around, I think Big Boy is the most approachable. As, like you're also not, you're not going to see Vin Scully at Philippe's. You're not going to see like Dallas <laughs> well, Not Reigns. anymore. Not anymore. You're like, R.I.P. Vin Scully, the greatest <laughs> of all time. I feel like you wouldn't see Dallas Reigns at a, at a, like a donut shop. Like you just don't see those. I people. also wouldn't want to go up to Angeline yeah. and be like, hey, yeah. because she tried to make me buy something out of her trunk. Like, I don't think Big Boy is going to be like, you want a shirt? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. going to cost you. You want to take a photo with me? Let me get out my rates. Rates for what oh no yeah big boy just seems genuinely like a nice guy who likes people i, I might be I wrong know. he just seems like that i never thought about angeline i never thought like oh angeline seems approachable yeah, she's a real people person <laughs> she's a real people person <laughs> he was on almost all the power 106 billboards promoting his show he was in the hollywood christmas parade he was a frequent of local news stations to the point where i'm like does he is he like an anchor now like i'd see him so frequently <laughs> that i'd be like does he work here and now for the war in iraq with <laughs> Big boy. He was generally well-loved unless you do what I did for research and ask the internet. And the <laughs> internet seems to not agree with me that he's well-loved. It never occurred to me that people have vitriolic feelings towards Big Boy, but they do. I, I didn't really feel affection or anger towards him. He was just always there for me. Because I didn't, the bus driver would just yeah. play Power 106 it, really he, loud. Yeah, me too. <laughs> really loud. Like upsettingly loud. Almost like he was trying to drown us out. But it only, we weren't going to stop talking. So yeah. suddenly we were shouting and there was loud hip hop and we were like the most aggressive school bus on the street. And we're also all in seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> like there would be like a good patch of the students on the bus who really love the music and would be singing mm -hmm. it and really into it. And then the visibly, the crowd was visibly unaware of what Why was happening. Why can't we have KHJ on? Oh, they're out of business? I think Kevin and Bean is on right now. Uh, we might be, uh, if you turn in right now, we could hear Weezer maybe. Uh. Shut up! I believe this morning is when they're playing Richie Valens' other <laughs> hits on K-Earth. That was me. I think we have a good chance to hear Donna today. On his show, he was joined by Fussy Fantabulous, who also worked backstage with Farside. He was either running lights or a sound engineer or maybe both. And then later, Big Boy was joined by DJ E-Man. When Power 106 was playing into my periphery growing up, the music choices leaned away from, like, let's say, quality hip-hop and was more towards, like, R&B and flashy Puff Daddy hip-hop, which is just pop music. Biggie would be playing, sure, but you also had a lot of Will Smith, Bone Thugs and Harmony, Wyclef Sean, Coolio, Mariah Carey, Master P, Boyz II Men. That was like the era that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. And Boyz II Men is fine. Boy, do I love Wyclef Sean. Bone Thugs and Harmony is not bad. <laughs> they had a couple hits. That's what I seem to remember most about Power 106. The changes, though, kept coming for the station. I always like, I guess because I have that point in my head about the station frozen and amber it's always this but like that was just one moment of the station that seems to be from the research frequently changing styles of music and who they're chasing as their audience i feel like stations should never change yeah. like just keep it and if suddenly like it's 2022 and you originally were playing 60s music like too bad you still play 60s yeah. music someone else is going to play 2022 music it's so irrational to me that k-earth is like well we in the 80s we were playing 60s music that was only 20 years 
years. So now that it's 2000, we're going to play 80s music. That's not, the transfer rate is They're off. They're also playing Britney Spears on K-Earth. Yeah, because that was 20 years ago. So the, hang on, Greg. Are you telling me I'm no longer 14? <laughs> I'm no longer a freshman at DBM? <laughs> the cycle is speeding up and the Ouroboro that is yeah. nostalgia radio is eating itself. And I just want to hear doo-wop on the radio and it's absurd that... <laughs> and there's nowhere to hear it anymore because no, K-Surf turned to classical music. That's too old. <laughs> I wanted old music. This is the monkey paw curse. <laughs> yeah. of like, oh no, they gave it to me. <laughs> oh, so you like... You like old music with strings, huh? <laughs> Guess what? Then you're going to love chamber music from Austria. The newest hit from Mozart von Beethoven. <laughs> so by 2000, a nefarious clear channel bought 92.3 the beat and switched formats, thus ending the reign of Power 106's big rival. But by this point, through Power 106's catalog of pure and true hip-hop, their catalog of music was getting low. Also around this time when Big Boy was becoming the face of Power 106 and ruling the billboard at ad space in LA, his weight was becoming less of a joke, 2002 joke, so like joke big boy was a less endearing title because he weighed 510 pounds oh my god he was that big he was morbidly obese he was morbidly obese boy i, I see <laughs> it doesn't sound good when you put it like that this was 2002 wow. i didn't realize he was that Me neither. Big. i don't remember him i thought it was just like a big guy yeah and like that's well, his like, thing he's yeah. big boy i don't remember him being that big boy i mean i only saw him from like the shoulders up on a billboard that's so true. i can't and he was that was pretty big because that was a billboard. billboard yeah but i didn't know that was actual size yeah he was morbidly obese so the new year's resolution of will smith was to help big boy reduce his weight and move out of the range of morbidly <laughs> obese and go down to regular i've got obese. one strategy for this if you don't lose 300 pounds you see this right hand <laughs> and you know what i'll do right after i'll win an oscar get that high <laughs> calorie food out of your mouth. He made him get jiggy with it until he lost the weight. Just saying those words, I'm like, I just remember being trapped on the school bus. Like, make this stop. <laughs> you can make this stop. Just lower it. Will Smith did this by pledging that he would donate a thousand dollars per pound to charity if Big Boy could lose fifty pounds. That well, Will Smith must be having some money trouble because he's, I think, lost a lot more than that by this point. Uh, it's been a while since he's had Men in Black Two. <laughs> oh, sorry, Men in Black Two. Men in Black. Men in Black Two. Independence Day. Uh, Fresh Prince money. He's got that that person suit of happiness money now he did now he won an oscar so he something might have gotten in the way of him uh, success i don't remember well, he's about to lose some money to chris rock in the impending trial big boy accepted this challenge and with the help of a personal trainer and a strict diet regiment he lost 110 pounds meaning a charity of his choice was gifted 110 thousand dollars by will smith which is really noble and wow. good for will smith and good for big boy sadly after that big boy would regain all that weight plus some more uh, so in 2003 he underwent weight loss surgery and dropped oh, 250 man. did pounds. will smith take the money back from the charity well, he had to. Uh, <laughs> legally, he was obligated to take the money back from the Get charity. my generous donation <laughs> out of these hungry kids' mouths. <laughs> the newer, slimmer big boy was still up on billboards to the shock of many people who were unaware that he had surgery. So so how, like, what does he weigh now? What a morning show we've become. How much does big boy weigh now? I didn't look that up, but he's slimmer. The pictures I've seen, he is, you know, like, Noticeably slimmer. Yeah. Like, a, I wouldn't say necessarily, like, a fit, but he's, like, He's not slimmer 500 guy. pounds. 2005, it seemed the style of music shifted away from hip-hop and R.B. artists almost entirely and it was gearing towards dance and pop. Power 106 would play 2005 era Gwen Stefani, uh, somebody named Baby Bash, and Natalie's 2005 song Going Crazy, which was produced by Baby Bash, which were like R&B hip-hop adjacent. More like, is that any relation to Baby Boss? No, Boss Baby. You're missing your genres up. Like this music was sort of like 
R&B, hip hop, more than adjacent. I would say like influence, like it was influenced by music. Yeah, the way that, that was hip hop, but what you're putting, your output is not hip hop. Yeah. Like one of the later Coldplay songs right. where it's basically just like a Mariah Carey song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is not hip hop, but it's yeah. certainly not Coldplay. It's not Coldplay. <laughs> Their catalog music was getting closer to like top 40 soft hits, which I guess genre wise is called rhythmic contemporary, but it's not what it started as it's not what made it big or maybe it is a reason for this might have been to demographics since the market seemed to favor latino latina latinx listeners and according to demographics which i did not see that community of radio listeners listened to whatever rhythmic contemporary is that was like the the genre of music this was the biggest never even heard that term before rhythmic contemporary yeah the website that i got a lot of information from loved that term (laughs) and it loved the term urban music and i was like stop (laughs) saying it there's a genre of music dailystormer.com yeah power 106 was now indirect competition with top 40 station KISS and KXOL Latino 96.3, which played Hispanic hip-hop, reggaeton, dancehall, and R&B for bilingual listeners. Also, in response to the popularity of Latino 96.3, Power 106 fired and replaced all of their non-Latino DJs with Latino radio personalities except for Big Boy and Fuzz Mm. Fantabulous because they have alliterative names. Seems, uh problematic yeah that's a problem <laughs> joining them was todd the hater crystal b and dj e-man who had been on the show for a long time in 2008 dance freestyle music which was usually played on power tools was starting to integrate into power 106 afternoon and weekend shows so much so that they gave the genre its own non-time show party 106 party mix so it had like an hour block where they would just play like house music or dance music technology finally encroached into the daily radio habits of most people as the internet's dominance over our lives made itself well known in 2010 that year is when Power 106 started streaming online. By 2012, they were added to iHeartRadio, and 2016, LA would change forever as Big Boy would leave Power 106 for Real 92.3, returning to hosting a a morning show. After years of false starts and opportunities in movies and TV that really pan out, Big Boy was looking for a fresh start, and with other radio psychics like Fuzzy Fantabulous, Tattoo, and Luscious Liz, who are all personalities on Power 106, after they were all leaving or getting fired, it seemed like the time to make the jump. So now he's on another station hosting a radio show. He's been in movies? He was like cameoed in a lot of stuff. You'd you see him pop up. I forgot what the movies were, but you see him pop up and stuff. I think they tried to give him his own. ABC gave him his own show, which was like a music show, but it didn't, it didn't pan out. Is he in There Will Be Blood? Yeah, he's one of the guys in There Will Be Blood. Why don't I own this? You could see Big Boy Big Boy in the background. He's also, he's running with Paul Tompkins. He's like, Mr. Plainview, Mr. Plainview. Big Boy's also there too, just kind of hanging out. And know. Big Boy was there. And Paul F. Tompkins was there. In 2017, MS sold the station to Morello Media Networks, which they say is the largest minority-owned media group in California. They also own K-Day and K-D-E-Y K-Day and pretty much dominate the hip-hop market. In 2019, Power 106 introduced Nick Cannon as their Uh-oh. morning host for the Nick Cannon mornings from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. They did, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And how's that going for them? <laughs> he had to take a year off after being fired or slash leaving after he's had anti-Semitic comments and a tirade about conspiracies during a podcast episode. You can get in trouble for what you say on a podcast? Since Ooh. when? What? Oh, all of a sudden I bring up the Rothschilds and I'm anti-Semitic. <laughs> uh, he later came back to host the show in 2021. So mm-hmm. that, that's as much time as you get for if you say yeah. something against. Well, cancel culture is real. <laughs> Just ask this year's star, Mel Gibson. Just ask Louis C.K.'s tour. <laughs> Their current on-air hosts include DJ Fally Dell, Letty, Just Incredible, Armando Fresco, Demi Lobo, and Brianna, among many others, are now like their regular staff. Power 106 still exists and is as popular as any other radio station is at a time when streaming music and podcasts allow listeners more options. So like, yeah, they're, they're still around. as popular around. as a radio station can, can be. be right now. <laughs> Power 106 was a dominant station in the city, but has had many controversies, which include cultural 
appropriation and sexism. Power 106 was among the stations that dominated the airways while I was growing up, so it can't be ignored even though it seems that true hip-hop fans gravitate more towards K-Day and 92.3 The Beat. It also, like, my idea of Power 106 changed a lot because I, I like I was saying before, I thought it was always one thing and like, yeah, sure, fluctuating with the times, it, it fluctuated with hip-hop as hip-hop changed, but it really did like just kind of give up and it was just chasing a market down like most, I guess, TV stations and radio stations do. 92.3 plays more classic stuff these days, right? Yeah, I think so. I think I prefer them. Yeah. I don't want to listen to Baby Boss or whatever you were Baby talking Boss. about. Baby Smash. Yeah. I, I don't want to hear top 40 hip-hop adjacent, hip-hop no. inspired stuff. I don't really want to hear top 40 anything. anything. <laughs> yeah. Even when I liked some bands that were in the top 40, I was still like... I listened to Bottom 90. <laughs> That's my favorite kind of music. The trash. That's my radio station. <laughs> Last year's trash. That's still on the charts for some reason. KTRS. <laughs> the trash. I'm Oscar the Grouch and I live in the trash. <laughs> yeah. Oscar the Grouch morning. I'm Oscar the Grouch and I'm here to talk about the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we'll allow it. Okay. Just let him finish his thought. Let him, And then we'll cut the air. Oscar, we're going to take you off the air for like two to three weeks uh, while we sort this We're going to let you finish that thought. And then we're we're going to cut your mic. So now for our last station. Right. This is the station that uh, your power, your big boy has a lot to say thank you for. Yes. So say, say thank you to me before I start this. <laughs> <laughs> Write it on a little note and pass it to me. And now for yet another edition of a beloved LA Meekly segment we like to call The Whitest Guy on the Podcast Teaches Everybody About Rap. Again? They just had that. <laughs> Can we play the theme song for this? <laughs> so I'm going to tell you all about the history of the beloved, the fondly remembered, yes. the groundbreaking K-Day, 1580 AM. I, I told my brother that I asked my brother, oh, I'm doing research on Power 106 because he loves hip hop. And he's like, just do K-Day. I'm like, oh, dang. And he was so mad. Well, he doesn't think I'm capable of giving a concise history of K-Day? Oh, he knows that you are. He just wants me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> he wants you to fail at it. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. I fail at everything. Don't worry. In my brother's eyes, I fail at everything. Also, in your brother's eyes, I fail at everything as yeah, well. Yeah, he's a hard critic. <laughs> I've spent probably a combined six hours with your brother, but I feel like I, I still have the same dynamic that you have with your brother. Yeah. Of like, I want to impress this guy. <laughs> I want to impress him just so he could be like, good job. I'm like, shut up. I don't care. Don't you tell me who's not related to you that mom liked you better. <laughs> so before it was what we know it once was, it once was something else. The station started in 1956, broadcasting out of 1700 North Alvarado in Echo Park, right by the old Max Senate studio. Oh yeah, that is the one then. Uh, you were like, yeah, it could be anything. No, Greg, I know it was the K-Day You one. gave me the, you said Alvarado, you said Max Senate Studios. The reason that you were plugging in your guitar into your amp and hearing Bondum music is because of this radio tower. <laughs> so I'm not sure what they were playing at first, but by 1968, they focused on soul and R&B music. Right. But in 1972, switched to top 40 rock, but then in January 1974, back to soul and R&B. What was the most notable about these early days were some of their DJs. There was Alan Freed, who was the guy who helped popularize the term rock, rock and roll. roll. Who, who's doing this story? Huh? Huh? Uh, huh? Uh, okay, huh? What's the next sentence? Go slow. Maybe I can. Maybe I can figure out the the second half of it. There was Art LeBeau. Oh yeah, Art LeBeau. There was Jack Burns, who was the guy they brought in to replace Don Knotts for a little bit in the Andy Griffith show. Oh, is that? I, mean, I don't remember what his character's name, but actually, the thing I was just doing of huh, huh, that was his whole thing on the Andy Griffith show. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, hmm, huh. 
Huh? Yeah. Hmm? Uh, oh, yeah. That'll replace Don Knotts. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Wolfman Jack was on there six nights a week from 1972 to 73. Pretty and cool. George Carlin was a morning DJ for three months was in 1960. Really? Yeah. What year? 1960. He was the morning DJ wow. there. If you were alive back then, you could have plugged your guitar into your amp and heard George Carlin. Here's the six words you can't say on a guitar amp. But as a new type of music started to emerge in the late 70s and early 80s, one thing was constant at K Day. Their program director, J.J. Johnson, not Dynamite, refused used to play hip-hop music on his station. Wow, rude. Very much like J. Jonah Jameson, which I kept thinking was his name. I need two things. <laughs> I need pictures of Spider-Man, and I need you to not play any hip-hop. <laughs> Enter Greg Mack. Born Greg McMillan from Emory, Texas. As a teen, he got a job at a radio station in San Antonio. But when he was 16, some racist new owners took over the station, and Greg, being black, he was basically told they're going to make his life so miserable he would quit by being racist right. to him. So he quit, and he got a new job at a TV station in Corpus Christi, and then on to Houston, where he got back into the radio game where he was able to actually play black music, and he became very popular for doing so in Houston. In 1983, he moved out of Texas into to South Central Los Angeles, where the Crips and the Bloods did not beat him up for wearing the wrong colors because they excused him for being a dummy from Texas. <laughs> Imagine getting that kind of pass. I know. Imagine. The two of the scariest gangs in LA, they're like, you're just a dummy. <laughs> but I'm from Texas. Oh, Texas? <laughs> <laughs> the Lone Star State? <laughs> what he wasn't a dummy about was that he was hearing on the streets a new type of music that the black community was listening to that eventually became known as rap and or hip hop. Mm -hmm. At this time, the only station in LA that was regularly playing rapper hip-hop was KGFJ1230, who would every once in a while play some stuff by Uncle Jam's Army. Do you know them? No, I don't. They were kind of, I guess they were kind of like a DJ, like... Oh, oh, that kind of DJ. Yeah, and like a like a slight beat behind all of that. Yeah. And, and people are like, this is good. Steve Woods played Rapper's Delight on K-Day when it came out in 1979, but that was it. Like, that was all the rap that was going on. And that's a rap, they would say. Uh, even though more and more of it was coming out, rap and hip-hop were seen as fads at the time. And also probably kind of racist, so yeah. radio stations would not play rap and hip-hop Right, music. Record stores wouldn't even carry the albums, but it was being sold at swap meets around town, and the people selling them were making good money, so Greg Mack saw that there was a market in LA for people who wanted to hear rap and hip-hop on the radio, and a big part of that audience was black people. At the time, there were five radio stations in LA that catered to a black audience. There was K-U-T-E, cute, K-G-F-J, KJLH and KACE and way at the bottom was K-Day who at the time were doing what they called urban contemporary another weird term that I don't understand I feel like that's like in a handbook the official title then they all have to like like a library subject heading like it all fa it falls under this category or, or that they have like a bingo right uh, cage and they pick out urban <laughs> surf music <laughs> make it work they described it as a mix of R&B and British New Wave which which actually sounds really great. Like yeah. I would love to listen to that station. Yeah. So Greg Mack went to K-Day and applied for a job. And with his experience from Texas, he was made musical director of the station in July 1983. When he came on board, he went to the station managers, Ed Kirby and Jack Patterson, and told them he wanted to start playing rap and hip hop. They were, of course, against this right. because the word of the industry was that rap and hip hop were not important music. However, they agreed to let him play some at night. Okay. And he did this. Oh, and the sexiest time of the day. Yeah, okay. the most conducive to what hip-hop <laughs> leads to. 
and I know what hip hop leads to. Trust me. I heard about it on 60 Minutes. It leads to me buying better clothes, <laughs> having more confidence. Uh, he did this, and wouldn't you know it, it was incredibly popular. Yeah. I really love like the old fashioned stuffy idea of like, well, this music doesn't matter. Okay, I'm going to play it. And it's like the most popular thing. Like, well, don't they know it doesn't matter? Yeah. They can't like this. Yeah, they can't like it. It doesn't matter. Guys, like to be so out of touch is so funny to me. Pretty soon they let him play some in the afternoon. And wouldn't you know it? It was incredibly popular. Then before long, Greg Mack had turned K-Day into a 24-hour rap and hip-hop station. So it was thanks to one person? It was Greg. It was wow. all Greg Mack. And this was the first radio station in the world to play 24-hour rap and hip-hop music. And because of that, they quickly became the second most popular Black-focused radio station in LA. But more importantly, they tapped into something huge at just the right time. It was the culture. If you lived in LA and you like rap or hip-hop, you had K-Day on all day, every single day. That's why it's K-Day. K-Day every day. K-Day all day. Yeah. Don't turn it off. <laughs> you might miss the next song. <laughs> the Friday Night Live show on Fridays from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. and the Mac Attack Mix Master show, which we'll get into a little more soon on Saturday from 8 to 11 p.m. And the Saturday Night Traffic Jam shows were huge. And not just for listeners. If you were a rapper in L.A. at the time and oh, you, you wanted, wanted to be successful, you had to get on K-Day. It was the same thing with KHJ, but all these young rappers would take their tracks to the station hoping they get played or would call in and rap over the phone oh, to I the person. And, and if it was good, they'd play that on the radio wow. and you might just get huge from that. That's great. Greg Mack even worked with some of the artists to re-record their songs with radio-friendly lyrics so that they could actually play them on the air. That's fine. Can we change this word to mm, pancake? <laughs> they Small huddle. Absolutely. <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll settle for flapjack. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And WA. Yeah. Could we do flapjack? <laughs> There's like a, a lawyer at a table. Legally. Yeah. 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 Uh, they helped launch the careers of NWA, mm-hmm. Ice T, LL Cool J, Jay Z, Queen Latifah, MC Hammer, Will Smith. Again. Then there were the famous mix masters. Greg Mack had gone to see Uncle Jam's Army at the sports arena where it was just cut. It was, like I said, it was like, wicka, 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 wicka. Whoa, Daniel, <laughs> Daniel can rap and beatbox. Uh, it was just that sort of thing. Performing for a crowd of 10,000 kids who were losing their minds over what they were hearing. I love not only watching the technicality that goes into that, yeah. but watching crowds lose it because he switched <laughs> perfectly between two things and segued so great. People are like, what? <laughs> Have you ever done like done it? No. Oh, you were never a mix man? <laughs> oh, you're not cool? I, I thought you were cool. It's weird. <laughs> I've done it and it's really satisfying yeah. to like... <laughs> I, I love it. That's I great. just like making sound effects wherever I can. Yeah. You Have were... you ever clinked two coconuts together? <laughs> That's my mix master. Anyways, the greatest actor of all time is that guy from Police Academy. <laughs> He approached them. Greg Mack went to Uncle Jam's army, which good luck getting through that security, (laughs) to be on K-Day as sort of in-house DJ mixers, but they felt they didn't need that. So instead, he approached Lonzo Williams, who ran a DJ group called the World Class Reckon Crew, no affiliation, and he agreed and loaned two guys to work at K-Day who went by the names DJ Yella and Dr. Dre. You're kidding. These were the first two mix masters. DJ Yella of Wu-Tang Clan? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> You're asking too much rap history of Sorry. me. But it, it is that Dr. Dre. It's okay. not a, it's not like this is the actual doctor. <laughs> He's a real this doctor. is licensed Dr. Dre. So these two went from selling their mixes at the Rhodium Swap Meet, which I've been to it's in Torrance or like around there. Okay. It's, they have a really cool sign, like a really googie kind oh, yeah? of rhodium sign. Oh, cool. But they were selling their stuff there and now they were DJs on K Day and they became so popular from this that within a year they had to leave because their personal music 
music careers had gotten so big. This was where Dr. Dre started. Wow. To replace them, they brought on a guy from El Monte named Tony G, who himself became a legendary mix master, and then came Jammin' Gemini, Joe Cooley, Battle Cat, Aladdin, and DJ Romeo, The Mixtress, and Henry G. They were so popular that they'd appear on the station at least once a day. They'd have on-air tryouts for potential new mixmasters like the one in 1986 at Skateland USA, right. where hundreds showed up in what was basically an American Idol tryout, <laughs> only it was blood turf, so the Crips all had to change their clothes so they could show up there. Oh, man. It was, Imagine having to... That's so scary. We'll get into a little bit more about that, but the blood and Crip thing was a huge part of the K-Day story. Right. It was the dream to be a mix master if you were a DJ in LA. Like right. that was the pinnacle of the mountain. People loved K-Day, but who didn't love it were the record companies because they were playing and promoting rap and hip hop music when the companies only had R&B music to sell. That wasn't being promoted. Time spent on rap oh, right. is not time spent selling the records that the record companies it- are making kicks at the legs of the vertical integration that is record companies that (laughs) that decide uh, what music people can listen to. Uh, Record stores were also mad at them because they didn't carry any rap music, but the small black owned record stores were loving it because since the big box stores refused to carry it, people were now flooding to their stores to buy rap albums. What's the lesson here? Stop rap music. Yeah. Oh, I guess, we need to bring yeah. back Perry Como. Yeah. The lesson isn't I should start buying rap records for my store to make money. It's, <laughs> it's that I should it's, shut it's, them should, down for making K-Day. money. Yeah. This unstoppable force, I'm going to stop it. <laughs> but there were also people in the black community who didn't like K-Day because they felt rap music and hip hop was corrupting their youth. which right. Promoting violence, according w- to older people. You can see how they got there when you look at some of the incidents that happened at some of the K-Day events. They were kind of trailblazers and getting their radio personalities out into the community to build relations with people who listen to them. They would have meet and greets at malls and businesses, grand openings, and often the mix masters would be there performing. They'd be at World on Wheels, Dudos, Sherman Square, and 321 in Santa Monica for the white listeners. But a lot of these events were done in areas where gang tension was high, so a lot of times gang violence would break out at K-Day events. Some people got stabbed, some of these stations' equipment would get stolen. There was a huge fight between Crips and Bloods at a church's chicken grand opening. The crew would be offered cash and drugs at events by people to bribe them to play their music. Tony G kept a gun in his speaker just in case someone attacked him. People would literally risk their lives coming to some of these events that were in parts of town that they should not be in. Like if you were in a certain group, you should not be in this part of town. But they did it because the music meant something to them no matter what the risk was. That's what I was saying about having to hide your colors to audition for K-Day is like, that's such a risky move because if you get recognized... Yeah, what if like your your, shirt rises up? Yeah, that's a red undershirt. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, crap. Then that... (laughs) (laughs) The one time that would actually happen. (laughs) So to a lot of people, this music was a way out of gang life or bad home situations. And for a lot of people, this music, it was keeping them out of trouble. Making music or listening to music meant you weren't going and killing someone in a gang. And K-Day knew that, which is why they risked their own safety to put on these events. Like, it wasn't just the people going. Like, anything could happen. Like, bad stuff could happen to the radio personalities also. But they knew how much this meant to the community and they wanted to honor that. So they were willing to take the risk. The music also brought together a lot of people who wouldn't have been together otherwise. In 1987, they started doing the High Energy Show hosted by Tony G and Julio G who were both, I believe the G stood for Gonzalez on at least (laughs) one of them. They recorded at the Casa Camino Real downtown, which this show was all 
Latin dance music. So now this opened up the fan base to Latino listeners, which made them even bigger than they were. And this carried into outside of K-Day events where now black kids were going to Latino clubs and Latino kids were coming to black clubs and they were getting along like there was no problem. In 1986, they also had their A Day of Peace broadcast after a fight at a Run DMC concert in Long Beach ended up with 40 people getting injured. This show was music, but it was also people calling in expressing their pain and frustration of how gang violence had impacted their lives. Quincy Jones called in. They were directing people to the community youth gang services and they got 500 calls during this show of people asking for help of how to get out of a gang and how to get off drugs. So this radio station, they also had a guy regularly on called King News who would come on to give gang news and also who had gotten killed that week and he was urging people to stop this. So K-Day was out there making a really big difference in so many different ways. They had six towers near Silver Lake and Echo Park interfering with your jam sessions. (laughs) Me trying to play the Kings, even though I know I can't play the Kings. (laughs) Trying to play Smoke on Water again. (laughs) But as a great rapper once said, all things must pass. Is that Wu-Tang Clan? In the late 80s, FM stations started taking control of the dial. And with their clearer signals, two big competitors entered the radio scene that were now playing rap and hip-hop were Kiss FM and... Power 106, and suddenly the fuzzy K-Day sound over AM was not good enough for listeners. Numbers started to decline. Then in 1989, all the Mixmasters quit the station because they felt they weren't getting the respect from the station they deserved, and also they weren't being paid except for their work at live events. Oh, okay. So they just... Like, oh, wow. They worked for free? Why do... Th-? Because it was such, you know, it was such a quote-unquote privilege yeah. to... Because if you were a Mixmaster, like, oh, it opens so many doors for you, but at a certain point, like, you know what? It's not opening so many doors, and I'm doing a lot of hard work. So also, me. the doors are open now. Yeah. And I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, do I don't need to do anymore. this. And as another famous rapper once said, just like that, which is a sex in the city thing. <laughs> K-Day crumbled as quickly as it rose mm-hmm. in 1991, which is kind of crazy to think of. Like people talk so much about K-Day. That was like eight years, maybe yeah. or seven or eight years of what people remember to be K-Day. It was a really short window that changed so much. And it's crazy that it it didn't last past the 90s because the 90s it is didn't, when it, it barely like, made it to the 90s. Like the 90s seems to be when it cements itself. But that classic, it was basically like I crawled so that you all can walk or whatever. Proto stuff. Yeah. I was just listening to, it might've been Robert Smigel or something on the Inside Conan podcast, but he was saying like, you either want to be the first person to do something or the third person to do something. <laughs> and But if you're the first person to do something, you're not going to make any money. Yeah. The second person to do something is the cheap imitator. And then the third person to do it is going to be the one who makes money off of it. version of it. Yeah. Yeah. So K-Day was the first one and influential couldn't make it. I think of that about Spongebob all the time. Spongebob <laughs> is the realized state of Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. Like, oh, this is what that should have been like. Ren and Stimpy showed their hairy warts on TV so that Spongebob could dance in his underwear. <laughs> so in 1991, it was sold to a real estate guy named Fred Sands for $7.2 million. And on March 28th, 1991, at 1pm, K-Day signed off the air and became KBLA, a business talk radio station. <laughs> Imagine people signing on like that night, like, Where's the 
mix masters. Yeah, the Dow is down. Yeah, you're all dressed up. You're ready to the jam. You turn on the radio and it's like, uh, this weekend, uh, Levi's sold. Warren Buffett is investing heavily in plutonium. They're like, oh, this is pretty interesting. Is this the new DJ Yellow? When are they going to scratch? K-Day may have caused some strife, but just as much, it brought people together and helped facilitate the West Coast rap sound and is considered to be the most important factor in helping rap become what it is today. Yeah. But even beyond that, it just meant a lot to kids who grew up in LA in the 80s. Just the name K-Day brings back strong memories mm-hmm. for a lot of people of a certain age who grew up here, like your brother. When the format changed, Greg Mack jumped ship and joined KLJH, and the station that was once K-Day is now a Spanish-speaking station called KZAB. But then, September 2004. K-Day was resurrected as a pristine FM station, 93.5, broadcasting out of Redondo Beach. Wow. They were playing the classic music from their glory days. They even had mixmaster Julio G come back. People were thrilled, unless you were Greg Mack and Tony G. Mm. They did not like this pretender to the throne existing and even sent a cease and desist letter to make wow. them stop using the name K-Day, but Mack eventually backed off saying, my best to them. <laughs> Imagine a rap artist coming out today and calling himself Tupac, who sounded a lot like him, but I I'm Tupac and I'm still alive. <laughs> it's just frustrating to see something you created being pimped that way. Yeah. I guess he was upset that it was I also just, didn't know that that was his entire quote. And I thought that was what you were saying, uh, but go ahead. I always talk about being pimped. I hate <laughs> being pimped, Greg. I guess he was just upset that it was just a commercialized corporate version of what he had started. Using his name. It didn't have the meaning or the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, he responded by hosting a show on Power 106 called Greg Mack's Real K-Day Show. <laughs> but K-Day How's that going to go? <laughs> I'm just going to let it lie. Best to you. But I'm doing the real version. <laughs> but K-Day 93.5 is still there for you today. Art LeBeau has a show on their Sundays from 6 p.m. to midnight, but their power signal isn't that great. And they're oldies now, like how K-Earth is oldies now. So if you're really nostalgic and want to hear the soundtrack to all the house parties I hated going to in college, 93.5 K-Day is the place for you. (laughs) Yeah, it's not. If you're going there expecting like 80s and 90s rap hits, nope. Mm. You're going to be getting a soldier boy and that sort of thing. Right. There's a lot of really good hip hop that's going on now. I don't know if they're playing new hip hop. Yeah, they're playing like 90s stuff. Because no, that's not, not like 2000. Like oh, because oh, that, yeah, that was 20, 20 Greg, years ago. Greg, you're forgetting we're not 13 anymore. Why not? <laughs> I, I listened to it as I was doing this research and the signal is so choppy in the valley that it's not even, and the music is not music I'm into. Yeah. So I wasn't a big fan. I'm on Greg Mack's side. As I always am. <laughs> Any Greg I side with. <laughs> what is your radio stations today? KXLU, which I what don't even that? know. It's a kind of indie. Every once in a while I'll find Garage Punk on there, but it's like an indie station. Let me look up the 88.9 is KXLU. Oh yeah, I like them. Uh, 88.5 KCSN is really good. Yeah. If we're talking about Boss Radio, I think they're as close as you're going to get because they're actually playing like new stuff and stuff you've never heard before. K-Earth 101, if I want to listen to the 80s, which is all the time. All the time. 93.1 is okay. Jack FM. Jack FM is is something at least. 95.5 KLOS. They're okay. K-Jazz 88.1. K-Jazz is nice. Yeah. If you want to listen to oldies in the form of chamber music, you could go to AM 1260. (laughs) That used to be K-Surf until we monkey bought it. KFWB, I will listen to for news if I'm... 
98. News 98. Give us 15 minutes. We'll give you the world. Give us 10 to 15 to 30 minutes. We'll give you part of the world. I really do miss discovering a great new song on the radio. KCSN could do that for you. Like if if there's a station where like if your dial were to break and you could only have it on one thing, you're probably going to be most satisfied on KCSN because there's not as many commercials and they play a lot of different things. Right. I feel like KXLU is where I go now if I'm like, I want to just stumble into something. Like that's how I found Shannon and the Clams was on there. So like that, and that that led to a plethora of other. And my life hasn't been the same since I found Shannon and the Clams or whatever you just said. Wow. You're so derogatory about one of the greatest bands that has ever existed. Yeah, well, I listened to Deborah and the Deborah and the Mollusks. Okay? <laughs> Watching you struggle was a real treat for me. I'm sorry, I don't eat shellfish and can't just <laughs> name them off the top of my head. Deborah and the Barnacles, okay. Okay. <laughs> Growing up. Joni and the scallops. What do you want from me? I would get home after school in middle school talking about it. I'm like, God damn, I was a real like recluse. But I would get home. I would have. Um, Plug in your amp so that you could hear K-Day. Yeah. You could hear the Spanish. But I would have a blank tape and I would be trying to make mixtapes all the time. So I'd have a blank tape with my fingers on the record button. Oh my God. And yes. just waiting. And I would just sit with K-Rock forever. And I realized after a couple of years, do I hate K-Rock? And I did. <laughs> I know it's never really into it because as I say to Melissa, because Melissa likes K-Rock, yeah. whenever she turns it on and K-Rock music starts playing, I always say, you're an angry little boy. You're listening <laughs> You're listening to angry, because that was kind of her music. And you too, you were kind of an angry little sure. boy for yeah. a while. Uh, I'm still kind of an angry little boy. Uh, <laughs> That's true. I'm an angry big boy. Behind a, a citizen of Mayberry, I'm also an angry little boy. <laughs> Behind every citizen. <laughs> you used to be the guy who replaced Don Knotts. Now you're Don Knotts. Uh, yeah, I, I was never into K-Rock. It was a little too aggressive for me. Mm-hmm. Like I said, growing up, I was mostly just listening to K-Earth. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, you have the personality shows. of somebody who listens to a lot of K-Earth. You don't have to say that on a podcast. <laughs> we know. But yeah, I, like I eventually was like, oh, K-Earth is where all the songs I want, like all the girl groups of the 60s will play here. Because when we were listening to it, they were still playing 50s yeah, and 50s, 60s, 60s, maybe not even 70s. Like no. it was. although I, I feel like I heard Hotel California every day of my life. <laughs> that might have been on KLOS yeah, maybe, or, yeah. or when 100.3 was not religious music yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. it is now all the songs that i now have adapted like oh my personality is that i like the ronettes a lot like that comes from care <laughs> and don't you take that away from me <laughs> it's all i have my is personality it? is phil Spector, <laughs> and that can never be taken away from me <laughs> the genre of music i like a lot is everybody that phil Spector yelled at uh-huh. it's got that phil Spector fear sound <laughs> Yeah, that that was a majority of my life was switching between K Earth and K Rock. And I've also I've always felt that like if we could, however this works, if we could get the rights to all of that music we like and have a station oh, playing yeah. that, that would be a dream. But oh, yeah. also like we would lose all of our money, probably. All of the- and I'm nothing without my money. Oh, you've made that known. <laughs> well, look, before we go, we've got a listener question oh, right. from our old pal Amelia Uranga the third. Like Robert Smigel said, you either want to be the first or the third. So. <laughs> And he chose wisely. His question is, who is slash do you have a dream guest to have on the podcast? We kind of had it recently with Charles Charles Phoenix. Phoenix was one of them, yeah. Joan Renner, who's a writer, uh, a crime writer that I like a lot. She runs the deranged... Is it deranged, deranged crimes? LA crime. Oh, deranged LA crimes. Yeah, she runs that blog space. If we're talking lived or dead, like living or dead. Um, oh wait, let's say it at the same time because I think we might have the same dead person. Oh God, I don't know. Mind meld. Oh. Mind meld. Mind, Mind meld. meld. 
One, two, three. Huel Hauser. Huel Hauser. What were you going to say? Dr. Demento. Dr. Demento's alive. He is alive, right? No, that's what I was wondering. I was was like, is he alive? (laughs) He's alive. (laughs) That would be cool. Dr. Demento and Weird Al, to be quite honest. But Huel Hauser would have been a dream. Uh, I still think this podcast should be called Huel's Angels. Yeah. Yeah, That was a great uh, title that you came up with. It was either our improv group or (laughs) our podcast name. I mean, Carl Tart was sort of a dream guest because- You were a big fan. I, I want no more, no more uh, unaffiliated. Um, but yeah, I, cause I was a huge fan of Carl Tart beforehand. Yeah. And then when it became clear, he liked us and also was really into LA history. Like that's a perfect thing mm-hmm. because he's someone who I think is really funny and also really likes LA history. Uh, along those lines, I feel like Matt Gorley is oh, yeah. a similar sort of person. Cause I get, I get the sense he's really into LA history and obviously he's very funny as well. Yeah. So th- those are, those are our dream guests. Most likely situation. I think Dr. Demento. Dr. Demento seems feasible. Sure. Yeah. Brian Wilson's another person that I'd like to have on this podcast. Since I, don't we know referenced- if I, I don't know if I'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that would be fun for anybody. <laughs> Look, we'll welcome any of the, we'll welcome Mike Wilson. <laughs> Mike Love can come on here Mike and Will- talk oh, yeah. about. Mike Wilson, Mike Love. That's what I mean. They're all Wilsons Yeah, they're all. <laughs> we'll welcome Wilson from Home Improvement we'll also, for that We'll matter. welcome Wilson Phillips on here. We'll welcome Wilson the volleyball. <laughs> any Wilson is welcome on this. Uh, uh you know, other dream guests, Emilio Aranga III, Eric Martinez. Don't go pandering to these. <laughs> Any of the pen pals. They're all great, funny people. And all great, funny people to all. Yes. So that's been, that's been September. Go listen to some radio while you still have a little bit of summer feel. As we've said before, the we're in fire season, so summer's going to has been extended. When you have to seal all the windows and can't leave the apartment because there's so much smoke in the air. Yeah. Crank up the old radio. <laughs> what else are you gonna do? What else are you really gonna do? Listen to the. What are you gonna? Hey, what are you, what what are you, you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Clean your apartment. What are you gonna do? We'll see you uh, in a few weeks for a music episode, right. and then our next uh, spookyish episode in October. So uh, that's been yet another episode of La Meekly KMKLY. You give us two hours. We'll give you a podcast. Okay, I'll give you- We'll give you fleas. Uh, I'll give you a punch in the nose. (laughs) I'll I'll give you the setup. You give me a few uh, potential- Okay. KMKLY, you give us two hours. We'll give you- Bed bugs. (laughs) And we've got it. That's all, folks. (laughs) We'll give you Looney Tunes references. (laughs) 